Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 4, Episode 24. This week, we talk about 1999's The Matrix. Joe. The time has come to make a choice, Mr. Anderson. Either you choose to be at your desk on time from this day forth, or you choose to find yourself another job. And Sam. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Okay, welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the Neo to my Agent Smith, Sam. Welcome back to being in studio, my friend. Thank you. How long has it been? Three years? Three years, yep. And uh, you got your sea legs back for this. I'm here. Yeah. This week, you nominated the Matrix trilogy, starting with the Matrix from 1999 for the Science Fiction Pantheon. On this show, we will be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our Movie Planet Preserve. The science fiction pantheon consists of seven and only seven films. Currently, the films in this preserve are number one, Jurassic Park with an A minus. Number two, Back to the Future with an A minus. Number three, Jurassic World with a B plus. Number four, Back to the Future Part three with a B minus. Number five, Back to the Future Part two with a C. Number six, The Lost World Jurassic Park with a C. And bringing up the rear, number seven, 1987's RoboCop with a solid D+. Yeah, I haven't watched many <laughs> science fiction. <laughs> well, there's so many pantheons and there's so many shows. All right. But that's why I was excited when you were doing Matrix. I was like, oh, we can finally put we'll some other out. color in here. <laughs> Uh, some some light tones of green, if you will. Well, does Alien not fall into this? Alien is science horror. Oh, okay. There's science fiction okay. horror also. Okay. Uh, I mean, I could merge them if I wanted to, but anyway. <laughs> uh, now, this is also going into the trilogy pantheon. Yes, that is correct. And my question to you is, where do you think this is going to fall in the end? Because number one is the Lord of the Rings with an A-. Number two is the Dark Knight trilogy with a B plus, And number three is the Hobbit trilogy with a B. Will the Matrix leap over the Hobbit? Yes. Or fall behind the Hobbit. <laughs> no, it'll leave for it. At least in my, in my dumb opinion, yes, it it's will. It's not dumb, otherwise because, you would not be on the show. Because as a trilogy, yes, the Hobbit falls extremely short. Which movie falls short for you? Sam. Three. Yes. Three is awful. Well, I fell asleep. Maybe in the theater, and I never do that. Maybe if we have time, we'll get your ideas on the three and put those grades in and further alter the course of these pantheons. For sure. 
Okay, so let's get started. The higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying in the Pantheon. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it down in the Pantheon of the future. So we will discuss it, analyze it, grade it, and see if it lands amongst the greats and RoboCop. Uh, this week, we are talking about 1999's The Matrix, a movie made for an estimated $63 million that brought in $465.3 million. Uh, strangely enough, did you see the, the original trailers for this? They told you nothing about the movie. I think I did. In fact, I know I did because I begged my dad to take me to see this movie in the yeah. theaters. I begged him. So I knew that I had seen it. I've heard about it. Um, it didn't happen, but... Right. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino did an interview where he was talking about The Matrix, and he said it was the weirdest feeling... It's a great interview. He says it's the weirdest feeling when you're sitting in the theater and everybody's so excited, but they have no idea what they're about to watch. <laughs> And I, I remember, and I'll talk about it later, about my first experience. And I was like, I don't know what we're saying, but fine. Let's go see this Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. This uh, is when you uh, had to go in the newspaper to see movie times. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, written and directed by the Wachowskis. I just put them because at the time they were dudes. Now they're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> music by Don Davis, uh, starring Keanu Reeves as Neo. And if you're sitting there going, no one else could have played this part. Here are some other casting choices that could have happened. Will Smith, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Nicolas Cage, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Ewan McGregor, who turned it down to do Obi-Wan and Star Wars Episode One. It's so bizarre because I feel like watching this movie, Keanu Reeves was born to play this role. Like, nobody else could have done this role. The only other person on that list I could see doing it might be DiCaprio. Mine was Ewan McGregor. Really? Because I, th- I don't. Because how young was he? Was it because. He was fresh off a of train spotting. He was fresh out of chain spotting, but Leonardo DiCaprio, was he almost like fresh off of basketball diaries? Might have been, yeah. Like too young, too much of a kid. You, at least you and McGregor had that like hacker looking like 90s edge. Yes. Yep. And as we know, Will Smith turned this down to do. Wow, wow, whist. Also starring Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus. And if you don't know, in Greek mythology, Morpheus is the god of dreams, blah, blah, blah. Okay, there you go. Carrie Ann Moss, hottie in leather. Fun little fact. Sandra Bullock was offered this role, but turned it down just because Will Smith was in the film. She regretted her decision because at the time, Will Smith hadn't said no uh, because she had been cast. She'd been reunited with Keanu Reeves when they were on speed together originally. You know, I'm not mad at that decision to cast Sandra Bullock. I think it could have worked. I don't know how she could have played it straight either, though. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like, yeah, like it make the casting makes sense, but I'm glad that Carrie Ann Moss got it. Yes. Because that's Trinity. Right. It's iconic. Yeah. I'm not saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Here are some other casting choices, though, before her. Jennifer Connelly, Halle Berry, Angelina Mm. Jolie, Michelle Yeoh, Ming-Na Wen, the most underrated actress in history, and Robin Wright. You'll see her and be like, oh, her. She's in every Disney property. I don't recognize this chick at all. Oh, she was that lame. She's the bounty, bounty hunter, hunter in Mandalorian. Mandalorian. She is, uh, she's one of the agents of Shield and Agents of Shield. Uh, so she's done Marvel. So she's done Disney. I've seen. Well, I can't blame it if you're <laughs> not paying attention. She came out in 1999. She's she's on the Walk of Fame now. How? Because of everything that she has done. Oh, I'll look up her catalog. You should because everything it up. everything is just Mandalorian and Mulan. No. This, that's Google. That's Google. That's not me. That's Google. Hugo Weaving. That's the Googs. Hugo as Agent Smith. 
But the other casting choice that I found was Jean Reno. Oh. <laughs> but he turned Ooh. it down because he didn't want to leave France for four and a half months. Hey, you know what? He knows what he wants. <laughs> but then again, once again, I would have liked to see his performance of Agent Smith, but to me, nobody's better at doing that than Hugo. Right, right. And I think of Jean Reno, and I think if you're going to put a Frenchman in there, make him the Merovingian in the second movie. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, Gloria Foster as the Oracle for at least another movie. Joe Pantoliano as Cypher. Marcus Chong as Tank. Julian Arahanaga as Apoc. Matt Doran as Mouse. Belinda McClory as Switch. Anthony Ray Parker as Dozer. Ada Nicodemo as Dujour. And Rowan Witt as Spoon Man! <laughs> the Spoon Boy. But now that we've handled that business, let's get down to business with our segment, Inception to Perception, where I dig shallowly into the internet to find out how this movie came to be. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. In 1994, the Wachowskis presented the script for the film Assassins to Warner Brother Pictures. After Lorenzo de Bonaventura, the president of production of the company at the time, read the script, he decided to buy the rights to it and included two more pictures, Bound and The Matrix in the contract. Now, this is interesting. They wouldn't give them The Matrix. They had to prove their worth first with the lesbian thriller Bound before they gave them The Matrix. They knew what they had. They knew. If you can put Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly in a bed together, you've got something. (laughs) (laughs) the first movie the Wachowskis directed bound then became a critical success and using that momentum they got to direct the matrix if it didn't work someone else is getting this movie I don't know I feel like they would do another movie until they could get the right that like they could get the okay to do the movie think so yeah I think they were holding on they like they sat down they're like this is a game changer yeah nobody else can do this but us yeah unless it's David Lynch I'm not a Lynch fan (laughs) That was more of an Alien 3 joke. <laughs> that might be why I'm not a Lynch fan. <laughs> wow. Just that? Have you never watched Twin Peaks? I watched Twin Peaks. I tried to watch Twin Peaks. Okay. I could not get into that show after the first season. Okay. Yeah. Blue Lake Velvet? I, nope. Mulholland Drive? Afraid not. All right. You know, if you're not I, I, I just. It's yeah. not your thing. It's not my thing. Not I thing. talked with Josh about it. I was like, I have two blind spots. David Lynch is one of them. Yeah. The other one is anime. <laughs> Is that why we're not doing the the Animatrix? Animatrix was never in the theaters. But it's pivotal information. No, it's not. You did not need it to understand revolutions. It helps. The background and the history. That's like saying Rogue One helps understand A New Hope. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does so. <laughs> Thank God we had Solo. I had no idea what Han Solo was about. And, oh, and they, I didn't know that they could talk, like he could speak Wookiee that entire time. <laughs> That poor actor, he's never going to work again. No. In 1996, the Wachowskis pitched the role of Neo to Will Smith. Smith explained on his YouTube channel that the idea was for him to be Neo, while Morpheus was to be played by Val Kilmer. We were just talking about him. Yes. He later explained that he did not quite understand the concept, and he turned down the role instead to film Wild Wild West. Yes, because I remember uh, reading an interview where the Wachowskis, um, they before they could film, all the actors had to be able to explain and understand the Matrix mm-hmm. before they could do anything. They actually made them read, uh, where is it, uh, simul- Simulacra and Simulation. 
and be able to understand what that philosoph philosophy meant. Uh, okay. So Very that was required cool. reading by every actor in the show in the movie. Look, it helps. Yes. For, it, like, I don't know. I feel like if you're making that kind of a movie that has, I don't know. How can you? What? What else can you compare it to? You can't. It, it's. It's like if you made Blade Runner just like do Android's dream of electric sheep, like understanding the religion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously they didn't do that at all. No, no. They tried to do it with the Amazon series. Oh. That didn't work either. No. Uh, producer Joel Silver soon joined the project. Although the project had key supporters, including Silver and D. Bonaventura, to influence the company, The Matrix was still a huge investment for Warner Brothers, which had to invest $60 million to create a movie with philosophical themes and difficult special effects. The Wachowskis therefore hired underground comic book artists Jeff Darrow and Steve Scrooge to draw a 600-page shot-by-shot storyboard for the entire film. Wow. Ooh. Hey, I, you busy? Can you can you do me a favor? I just need a few pictures. <laughs> just a few. Um, there's really no reference to these things either, so you know, take some creative freedom. Yeah. Um, I need this done in a month. Thank and you. and and also read this book, this French philosophy book, and understand that too. You'll get it. <laughs> the storyboard eventually earned the studio's approval, and it was decided to film in Australia to make the most of the budget. Soon, The Matrix became a co-production of Warner Brothers and Village Roadshow Pictures. According to the editor Zach Steinberg on the DVD audio commentary track, the production team sent an edit of the film's first ten minutes which was Trinity's action encounter with the police and agents to the Warner executives and secured Warner's total support of the movie from then on. It was that what? scene sold them on it. I mean, we're going to touch on it, but what an intro. It is ridiculous. What an intro. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam, it's story time. Do you remember seeing this for the first time? What did you think? Uh, I saw the trailers and um, as I said earlier, I begged my dad, this was, it was uh, two movies I did this for. This was one of them, and the other one was Fight Club. Ooh. Now, this one was the only one I was actually allowed to watch when it came out on VHS. <laughs> uh, so I begged him. He wouldn't take me. Fast forward. I remember the day. It was my dad's birthday ah. in 2000. And my uh, family and I went to Circuit City. Oh, I loved that store. It was the best store ever. Yes. And we picked up the VHS. Of the Matrix. It was a holographic cover as well. So the coolest thing I had ever seen. Taking me back now. I didn't know <laughs> what this movie was. Yeah. I just saw how cool it looked. This was me judging a book by its cover. <laughs> and I knew this movie was going to be badass. And uh, yeah, that night we all took the red pill. And uh, we watched this movie over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh when I saw it, it had been in the theaters for a few weeks already, and I had zero motivation to see this. So one night, my buddy Fred calls me up, and hey, Fred, I know you're listening. Fred calls me up to go hang out in downtown Birmingham, Michigan. We meet some friends down there, and we're just walking around, and it's like, oh, let's go see a movie. What's playing? And they're all like, let's go see The Matrix. It looks cool. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I don't need to see this. Okay. I remember leaving nothing but a hater and thinking it was completely incomprehensible and an excuse to do martial arts for two hours to EDM. It wasn't until a few years later when I realized how brilliant the movie was though. Just I had to grow hater. up. I had to grow up. I had to grow up. 1999. I was 22 years old. Oh my God. I, like I can't imagine anybody walking out of this movie theater going, what the f 
Oh, wait, no. 99, I was 20 years old. I was 20. So I, yeah, I wasn't into it. I was not into the music. I, I hated the music. And, I was nine and I was into it. I, Fred, Fred can attest to this. Whenever we'd get in the car, I would beg him, just play some rock and roll. Because all he wanted to listen to was fucking CNC Music Factory. And, and, you know, you always had that. And then that woman, like, ha, ha, ha. That, it was nonstop. And he'd blast off the bass and all that stuff and be like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, I don't want to listen to this for two hours in a theater. So I was in the wrong mindset. Oh, yeah. And who knew Kung Fu was the ultimate like companion. I mean, EDM. It's, it's a beautiful marriage. Really? Is. <laughs> okay. Now a clip from the movie. Do you want to know what it is? The matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. <sighs> Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Offering is the truth, nothing more. Okay, the screen fills green, cascading code, which gives way to the title The Matrix. A phone rings and text appears on the screen, and it's a conversation that takes place between Trinity and Cypher. Two free humans, a table of random green numbers are being scanned, and individual numbers selected, creating a series of digits not unlike an ordinary phone number, and as if a code is being deciphered or a call being traced. And for those of you who don't know, this is how we accessed the internet back in 1999. <laughs> You've got mail. <laughs> Somebody picks up the phone. God damn it, Mom! You interrupted my my internet time. Uh, sorry, so Trinity discusses some unknown person. Cypher taunts Trinity, suggesting she enjoys watching him, but they will have to kill him. Trinity counters that, quote, Morpheus says he may be the one. Just as the sound of a number being selected alerts Trinity that someone may be tracing their call, and she ends it. I think this is one of the more iconic opening title cards into a movie. I put it up there with Star Wars and New Line Cinema with The Lord of the Rings. Anytime you hear the, it's just like the Harry Potters. When you go in, you start hearing thunder. Star Wars, you wait for it. The, 
Yep. This is the sip. The Village Roadshow Productions. You're like, this is it. This is going to get good. And I'm going to say this. You got to remember, back in 99, we were all rocking AOL and CompuServe. Google wasn't a thing until 2004, kids, mm-hmm. and we were all rocking dial-up with the hopes that our parents would throw down cash for a 56K modem or DSL. Do we have Ask Jeeves? Uh, not at that point. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah. There was no Facebook. There was no MySpace, you and you were charged by the minute for internet use. Uh-huh. You needed a CD to access the internet with a phone line. Oh. Sometimes you get a CD in the mail. You got 200 free minutes from AOL. Can't wait to use that. hard internet time. (laughs) Armed policemen moved down a darkened, decrepit hallway in the heart of the city hotel, their flashlight beam bouncing just ahead of them. They come to room 303, kick down the door, and find a woman dressed in black facing away from them. It's Trinity. She brings her hands up from the laptop she's working on at their command. Fun fact, the number 303, you're a coder, you know. Right? Yep. It's a redirect. Yep. Redirect code. Just kind of funny because apparently this is the room where they do all the blue pills. Redirect them yep. back to the matrix. You go do your thing in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's better there than out here. Uh, outside the hotel, a car drives up and three agents appear in neatly pressed black suits. Agent Smith and the presiding police lieutenant argue. Agent Smith admonishes the policemen that they were given specific orders to contact the agents first for their protection. The lieutenant dismisses this and says they can handle one little girl. And then... <laughs> And that he has two units that are bringing her down at the very moment. Agent Smith replies, go for it. No, Lieutenant. Your men are already dead. The police officer is acting here as bad, and I can't tell if this is purposeful to show how fake everyone but the agents are in the Matrix. What do you think? I think it's just low budget, mate. (laughs) They spent all their $60 (laughs) Yeah, they (laughs) most definitely did. They used every... Drop of that budget. Yes. Uh, Hammond was in charge of this one. Spare no expense. (laughs) But that is a very cool theory as the first introduction. Yes. That's a very cool theory. I like that. Because if you watch it just regularly, you might go, this is bad acting. I'm going to give this the entire movie. But if you go, but it's the Matrix acting. You can forgive some things if you make excuses that no one can prove wrong. Inside, Trinity easily defeats the six policemen sent to apprehend her using fighting and evasion techniques that seem to defy gravity. They don't seem to. They do defy gravity. She calls Morpheus, letting him know that the line has been traced, though she doesn't know how. Morpheus informs her that she will have to make it to another exit, and agents are heading toward her. A fierce rooftop chase ensues with Trinity and an agent leaping impossibly from one building to the next, astonishing the policemen left behind. There's a, it's a big f***ing chase. She gets out, and a truck is, she sees the phone booth in front of them, and she runs to the phone booth, and just sees the phone booth, pick up the phone to get out of the Matrix. A van crashes in, but she gets out. She's just, she just disappears. She just disappears. There's, there's no trace of her. Yeah, and what I love about this is that this movie, th- this scene highlights every maneuver that they're going to use throughout the entire movie. Yes, it's it's bizarre. It's like when you uh, make a video game, uh, the way game developers handle this is they introduce a mechanic, yep. which they use throughout. So they train the, the player to know what's going on and what to do, your tool sets. And like you saw everything. You saw the jump. Yes. You saw the combat skills. You saw how they get an in and out of the Matrix. How she runs around the wall. You You're going to see that later. Yeah, you see how the villains just pop out of nowhere. And then that's <laughs> Agent Smith behind the wheel of the giant truck. Yes. This scene took six months to train for. That's one of the 
Best introductions to a trilogy I've ever seen. In four days to shoot. Six wow. months to train, four days to shoot. It does bother me, though, when the truck hits the phone booth, because I'm like, you know, in the time that we see later on, it takes for them to go into the Matrix. The truck should have obliterated her. Yeah, well. I think it's an editing issue. It, I think it's so as well. I also think they just did it to create that intensity. Yeah, you're right. Because you're, no, you're very right. When I, anytime I've rewatched, it's like, that truck should have hit her. <laughs> yes. Um, and why did they choose the slowest vehicle on the street? They could have just grabbed a, another vehicle. Well, um, you know, pertaining to the rest of the movie, that NPC or that person was uh, closest to her location. Ah, good. And he point. was in a big old truck. Yes, I'm. I'm going to try to find things wrong with this movie. It's hard. It really is. Like normally, goes is like, okay, I'm going to tear this shit apart. And it, I'm nitpicking at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't be like, well, you know, the the acting's awful, but they're in the fucking Matrix. Matrix. <laughs> well, it should have killed her, but that scene was so intense. It was so cool. They needed that to show. Oh my gosh, is she dead? Is she not dead? We don't know. Um, Thomas Anderson is asleep at his monitor. He also goes by Neo, which you'll find out later. He notices, or there's notices about a manhunt for a man named Morpheus that scroll across the screen as he sleeps. Suddenly, Neo's screen goes blank and a series of text messages appear. Wake up, Neo. The Matrix has you. Follow the white rabbit. Then the text says, knock, knock, Neo, which is weird because Neo's f***ing asleep, isn't he? Or does he see this when he wakes up? He sees the knock, knock, Neo. He sees the knock, knock, Neo. Okay. He's a he's asleep when there's the wake up, Neo, the Matrix has you. And then he sees follow the white rabbit. And then it says, knock, knock, Neo. He's like, what the hell? Right. Just as he reads it, a knock comes at the door of his apartment, 101. It's a group of ravers, and Neo gives them a contraband disc. He is secreted in a copy of Simulacra and Simulation. The lead raver asks him to join them, and Neo demurs until he sees the tattoo of a small white rabbit on the ankle of Sam's foot. <laughs> no, 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 the girl. Oh, the on girl. the shoulder on of the a shoulder seductive of girl. girl in the group. Yes. Yes. Uh, Trinity was in room 303. Well, see, I'm wondering if 101 is just a little play on binary. Might be. Because he's a computer programmer. Or he's the one. Oh. One. Now, if you're, we've mentioned this a couple of times, the book Simulacra and Simulation. It was a major influence in this movie. It's by a French philosopher. And basically, it seeks to examine the relationships between reality, symbols, and society, which is basically this whole movie. It's one big Easter egg hunt. Uh, and simulacra are copies that depict things that either had no original or that no longer have an original, and simulation is the imitation of the operation of a real-world process or system over time. So kind of makes sense why they went to this book. This whole movie is this book. We're it's, all living in a simulation, so we're watching a movie about people living in a simulation while we're living in a simulation. This is so Rick. At a rave bar, Neo stands alone and aloof as the group he's with continues to party. He's a real buzzkill in that place. I want to pause right now. I was born in the wrong generation. I would love if there were clubs that still played like ravey Rob Zombie. <laughs> that just doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> that's because kids that go to raves now go, Rob Zombie, that's not rave music. Is that like a movie? Like, isn't he the director of Halloween? Yeah. Oh, my God. He's not a very good actor. The cl- Like, the clubs in this movie and the next movie... And the, tr- the, whole, the whole trilogy, these clubs are awesome. <laughs> these, look clubs, these clubs so give me a headache. <laughs> these clubs look so fun, especially in the third movie when it's like all Slipknot and Ramstein'd out. Oh, it's great. 
That's my vibe. That's your vibe. Well, Halloween all the time. There's 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 a place for everybody. Yeah, it's not for me, but there's a place for everybody. And as fun as this place looks, Neil looks like Eeyore in this place. Like I just want to go to bed. Why did somebody wake me up to do this? Yeah. <laughs> so Trinity Rooks walks up to him and introduces herself. Neo recognizes her name. She was a famous hacker, cracked the IRS database. Thought you were a dude. Yep. Oh, there's your. Most guys do. <laughs> I'm the patriarchy. Okay. She tells him that he's in great danger and that they are watching him and that she knows that he is searching for answers, particularly to the most important question of all, what is the matrix? The pulsing music of the bar gives way to the repetitious blare of Neo's alarm clock. And it's 918. He's late for work. Famous questions in cinema that required answering. Who is Kaiser Soze? Who is the killer on the Orient Express? Why do we have Solo, a Star Wars story? And what is the Matrix? It's a valid question, though. Yes. It's a very valid question. By the way, you know- I don't what know ha- what the first one is. You don't know who Kaiser Soze is? I'm horrible with names. I, I just no, did you, did you ever see The Usual Suspects? <sighs> yeah, like a long time ago. That's the whole movie. Who is Kaiser Soze? Oh, okay. <laughs> and it turns out to be- yeah. That's- Oh, wait, we already did the movie. Yeah, go ahead. Right? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> you know what hackers don't do in real life? They don't give have their actual life. handles. <laughs> they have an actual life and go to clubs or do anything? Neo does. Yeah. He goes out and has a good time. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly, as we've seen in this uh, first 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, he looks like a real butt bell of the ball, doesn't he? Yeah. Just like thrilled to be there. He looks like me most of the time at the club. <laughs> at his job at Metacortex, Neo Sounds is- Thrilling. Yeah. Get it, Meta? Huh? Oh! <laughs> Neo is berated by his boss for having a problem with authority, for thinking he's special. Neo listens to his boss, but his attention... I said Neil. Reminds me of Wanted. <laughs> yes, it does. Another great movie. Uh, Neo listens to his boss, but his attention is on the person cleaning the window of the office. Back at his bleak cubicle, Neo receives a delivery as Thomas Anderson. Upon opening the package, he finds a cell phone, which immediately rings. On the other end is Morpheus, who informs Neo that they've both run out of time, that they are coming for him. Morpheus tells him to slowly look up toward the elevator. There's Agent Smith, Jones, and Brown. Yes, those other agents had names, Jones and Brown. Not important enough to say, though, in the movie. Uh, Obviously looking for him as a woman points towards Neo's cube. Morpheus tries to guide Neo out of the building, but when he's instructed to get on a scaffolding and take it to the roof, Neo rejects Morpheus' advice, allowing himself to be taken by the agents. He doesn't re- he doesn't reject it. He's just like... He pusses out. He pusses out. I just want to throw this out here. I will take one of those Nokia phones over my iPhone <laughs> any day. When they click down, yeah. they shoot down. Oh. It's so satisfying. It's so slick. Yes. And the camera work in this really has fun with the cell phones. It really does. Like when that thing clicks out, the cell phone does a 90 degree, or the the, uh, camera does a 90 degree turn. Like you're about to do something funky now. Uh, But the other shot I love is when the cell phone drops off of the uh, building. Because it pauses in midair and then just just drops like crazy. And if, if you're someone who doesn't like heights, that's pretty much how you envision your death. Like, I'm falling, and now I'm dead. Yeah. There are certain shots here. This is me looking. I'm scraping the bottom. I know I am. There are certain shots that don't make logical sense when Neo is ducking the agents amongst the cubicles. Apparently, movies forgot that there's things called peripheral vision. 
Yes, and then I always laughed because if I saw one of my coworkers sneaking around <laughs> and I was at the scanner or the copy machine, the I go, Thomas, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Jesus, what are you doing? Shut up, man. The men in black are here to get me. <laughs> Another reason why Will Smith wasn't in this. Uh, if you haven't noticed yet, the cinematographer is using a green filter. Oh, yeah. Everything has like a little. Yeah. Yes. When we leave the Matrix later, the filter will be gone. Thank you, IBM, for that green font from the back in the day. They'd use blue font, maybe it's a blue filter. In an interrogation room, the agents confront Neo. They've had their eye on him for some time. He lives a dual existence. One life is Thomas A. Anderson. The other is Neo, a computer hacker, guilty of virtually every computer crime we have a law for, and yet hasn't been caught, despite the fact that he lives pretty modestly in a tiny little apartment and uh, with no security. Agent Smith asks him to help them capture Morpheus, considered a dangerous terrorist, in exchange for amnesty. Neo gives them the finger and asks for his phone call. Mr. Smith asks, what good is a phone call if you are unable to speak? Neo finds that his lips have fused together. Panicked, he is thrown on the interrogation table by the agents and they implant a shrimp-like probe, a bug in his stomach, entering through his navel. Uh, this scene is so painful. Every every time I, I look away, I, I can't watch it. Nope. I literally cannot watch it. Nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know my affinity for spiders. Not just spiders, bugs. Bugs in general. Bugs I, in general. I don't like spiders. I don't like insects. I don't like machines that have spider and insect qualities that burrow into your belly button. I also have a problem in Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, when the little thing goes in the ear. Ear. Yeah. Got a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I remember really the- invasive- I do remember this being the first laugh in the theater, though, when he goes, I'm going to give you the finger, oh, and yeah. you're going to give me my phone call. That's the first humor we get in this movie. Yeah. This is not a laugh aloud thing, which, could Will Smith have made it this long without a quip? No. Probably not. No. Neo awakens with a start in his own bed, assuming that it has all been a bad dream. His phone rings, and Morphe is on the other line. This guy won't let me alone. He tells Neo that the line is tapped, but they've underestimated his importance. Morpheus tells Neo he is the one, and to meet him at the Adam Street Bridge. There he is picked up by Trinity and two others in a car. A woman in the front seat switch suddenly points a gun at him and tells him to take off his shirt. Trinity tells him it's for their mutual protection and that he has to trust her. He takes off his shirt, and she uses a device to remove the probe that Neo believed had been part of a nightmare. Trinity drops the bug out of the road, into the road where it slowly goes dark in the rain, and I go to the bathroom to throw up. I think this just further cements why this is such a good movie is because you're introduced to Switch and... um, APOC is driving, isn't he? Yeah, APOC is driving. APOC's driving, Switch is in in the front seat. These are your first characters outside. I mean, this is, yeah, you're, you're, you've seen Trinity before. Yep. Um, you still don't know who Morpheus is yet. Nah. But you're introduced to Trinity and Puck who are, look, not, not only like visibly different, mm-hmm. but they have different attitudes as well. Yes. But they are very close. And already you're like, who are these guys? I want to know more about them. It's like, it's very well written and these characters are well developed. Yeah. Which is so unfortunate. <laughs> coming soon <laughs> i do think it's funny the you know the wachowskis were talking about the matrix recently and they're talking about they're, they're trying to link it to trans rights and they said and this is the part where i kind of agree with like they're like switch was supposed to be someone who was female in the matrix or female uh, in the real world but was male in the matrix hence oh, her name cool. switch 
Hence her name, Switch. Yeah, that'd be really cool. But I think most of us at the time in 99 were like, Switch? Oh, like a Switch. Like yeah. it's a computer. Something part. you turned it on. In, in coding, you use Switch cases. Okay, yeah. So it, it was not, they're, they're trying to tie certain things in now, but that little factoid, I was like, that probably made sense at the time. That, and honestly, I don't think people would have given a shit in 99. No, then uh, I think they would have cared more that now with than, like a game character. Yeah. It's like, that was the avatar you got. Right. It's just an avatar. Yeah. Trinity takes Neo to Morpheus. Morpheus explains that he's been searching for Neo his entire life and asks if Neo feels like Alice in Wonderland falling down the rabbit hole. He explains to Neo that they exist in the Matrix, a false reality that has been constructed for humans to hide the truth. The truth is that everyone in the world is a slave born into bondage. Morpheus holds out two pills. In his left palm is a blue pill. If Neo takes it, he'll wake up in his bed and believe whatever you want to believe. But if he takes the red pill in Morpheus's right hand, then you stay in Wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Neo takes the red pill. Did he lick his lips after he said that too? <laughs> I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> Little bunny. Sam, which pill are you taking, blue or red? I'm probably going to take that blue pill. <laughs> I'm taking the blue pill myself also. <laughs> if I knew what I was going to be eating... <laughs> Yeah, I think I would just, as uh, Cypher puts it, ignorance is bliss. It is, and honestly, it's a pretty good case to still flaw in this movie, which is you can't make freedom look awful. If that's the goal, don't make it look less attractive than what you're in already. But it is the, and that's the, that's the, that's the other thing. It's like, it's not freedom. But do you know that? I guess if it's the only reality <laughs> you do know, then yeah. But that, that word is... <laughs> Not the correct word to use when you're fighting for your life against machines and you're having to burrow in fear. Yeah. Because you can't be free. Yeah. That's not freedom. No. That That's more bondage than anything else. Yeah. It's just <laughs> truth. Yeah. Do, it, you, do you want to accept the truth or go back into a sleepy dream where you can actually kind of be free? I mean, I'd rather be free. I'd rather be just a meat battery. Me fine, too. Fine, fine, fine by me. At least they have Rick and Morty. <laughs> and steak Wubba -lubba -dub -dub. and wine as the rest of Morpheus's crew straps him into a chair Neo is told that the blue or the pill that he took is part of a trace program to disrupt his input output carrier signal so that he can pinpoint him Neo looks at a shattered mirror placed next to him which miraculously repairs itself Neo touches the surface and the silver begins to creep over his skin engulfing him as Morpheus's crew attempts to locate something on the monitors around them the silver fluid covers him entirely moves down his throat and he blacks out I still don't understand the mirror becoming fluid and engulfing him Sam can you please help me out maybe it's like an into the looking glass kind of a thing but yeah i've never understood the metal okay because it never it never comes up again no this has eluded me for 20 years and every time it's, i watch this i go i should ask somebody what i'm missing here well, it could be like the first instance where he well no because he can't say it's his first because he had his mouth sealed shut it's like maybe the first instance of the simulation okay of like the mirror the is, bending of reality. It's the bending of reality, and like that bending is, he's becoming part of it. Yeah, but when it goes down his throat, I'm I'm not liking that at all, because then it, it goes down the throat, and then it's it sounds like it's going through a terminal. Well, he's, he's it's the digitized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he this is disgusting, as if the bug coming out of his belly wasn't disgusting enough, because they had to put mucus all over the fucking bug. Uh, he awakens inside a pinkish purple embryonic pod. 
Yay, freedom! Extending from the side of a huge column, part of a massive power plant. He is hairless and naked. And afraid. <laughs> with thick black tubes snaking down his throat, plugged into the back of his skull, his spine, and invading most of the rest of his body. He finds his pod is open and that he is surrounded by tower after tower of pods just like his, all filled with bodies. Suddenly, a menacing hovering nurse robot, <laughs> that's a nice way of saying it, grabs him by the throat. The... <laughs> Freedom's wonderful. The cable inserted into the base of his skull suddenly detaches. The rest of the tubes pop off his limbs, and Neo is flushed down a tube into an underground pool of filthy water. Just as he's about to drown in the muck, a hovercraft appears above him, snags him, and hauls him into its cargo bay. Neo finds himself surrounded by Morpheus' crew again, but they are dressed differently in simple knit garments. Just before Neo passes out, Morpheus says to him, Welcome to the real world. And my response is, I'm going to give you the finger and you're going to give me back the blue pill. <laughs> you asshole. I'd be so pissed if I was him. What the <laughs> f- did you do to me? Like when he did the montage. Oh no, he doesn't, he hasn't done the montage earlier. No, no. So, yeah. He's just this saying, is, this is it. Like, like if somebody told you, if you were welcome. a computer hacker and you're like, Hey, I'm going to tell you all the stuff that they won't tell you. Okay, great. And they're like, you're going to hell. Wait, what? No, I don't need to know that much. I'm good. No, blue pill, blue pill, blue pill. That being said, this whole scene is staged so well. Like, I love that it's shot so well and how they merge the practical effects of the pod with the CGI in this. Because when that robot grabs him, that's really the first time we've seen CGI merged with humans. I think in history, the way that it's done. That well. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't. I mean, we've seen digital effects before. Amazing. Yeah. By the way, to prepare for the scene in which Neo wakes up in a pod, Keanu Reeves lost 15 pounds and shaved his whole body to give Neo an emaciated look. That, my friend, is a dedicated actor. Like a monkey. (laughs) Ready to go to space. Yeah, but when the tubes pop off him, I'm like, no, stop. Give me the blue bill. It's such an anime thing of like an awakening and like, Tubes popping off and like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So cool. And for those listening, if you want to see more of the uh, metal, metallic nurses yes. and the giant harvesters, the Animatrix has a lot to offer <laughs> for you. It, you know what? If you want to dive further into this world, watch the Animatrix. I, it, that, so it's, I'll, I'll back it, you on that. I highly recommend it. It is, it's actually good. Like this is a straight to DVD movie. This wasn't in theaters. Right. But it's actually good. It's an anthology that is well done and gives you a lot more perspective and background on some characters and a history of how the robots came to be. Because it's brought up. Nobody knows. It's like, we don't know if the machines did it first or if we started it, but this is where we are now. And then, like, those questions are answered and you're asking yourself questions and like, oh, what happened? Oh, is that okay? Did they deserve it? Did yes. they not deserve it? Yes, they did. Don't go raping robots, kids. Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! <laughs> I'm glad that last little bit's in there. I was like... All right, dick. <laughs> I'm going to treat you right. 
Uh, Neo drifts in and out of consciousness. He's getting stabbed with needles. There's acupuncture going on. He's using his eyes for the first time. You've never used them. Uh, I'm looking at the needles. I don't like spiders. I don't like needles. This Whoa, is a nightmare dude. for me. Why is <laughs> Neo finally wakes. He removes a connector that's sunk deep into his arm, and I throw up again, and reaches to find the large socket at the back of his neck when Morpheus enters the room. What is this place? Neo asks. The more important question is when, says Morpheus. You believe it is the year 1999, when in fact it is closer to the year 2199. <laughs> Morpheus goes on to say that they really don't know when it is. He gives Neo a tour of his ship, the Nebuchadnezzar, an old beaten hovercraft. Neo is introduced to Morpheus's crew, including Trinity, Apoc, a man with long blowing, flowing black hair, Switch, Cypher, two brawny dudes named Tank and Dozer, and a young thin man named Mouse. I like the look of this crew, and I wish that the movie spent more time with them to flesh out their characters. Like I brought up, like, with Switch and Epoch, you have now you have the full cast of the Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. and they're all amazing. They're all different. They're all unique little snowflakes, and you cherish each and every single one, <laughs> except the prick. <laughs> My favorite, Cypher. Cypher. <laughs> the one that has any sense at all. Yes. And a little fun fact here. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. Uh Defeated the Assyrians with the help of the uh, Medes and liberated Babylonia from Assyrian rule. Much like Morpheus is going to liberate everybody from Matrix rule. There's an there's a, there's a plaque in the Nebuchadnezzar. It says the ship was made in the USA in the year 2069. <laughs> 69. It also states that it is the Mark III, number 11, which is a possible reference to Mark 311, which reads, and whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, they would fall down in front of him shrieking, you are the son of God. There is our first Neo is Jesus reference. Oh. There's Easter eggs all over this goddamn thing. <laughs> it's like a Marvel movie before there were Marvel movies. Them boys are smart. Morpheus gets to the point. You want to know about the Matrix, he says, ushering him to a chair. Neo sits down and Trinity straps him in, and then they stick another goddamn needle into the back of this dude's neck. And that probe is long. It's a long <laughs> He's like, you might feel a pinch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... The needle looks longer than the, the width of his neck. Oh, no. It, it goes into the oh, middle of the brain. Oh, okay. I thought it was going straight through the neck. No, it goes... It's... Yeah. The, the, the needle goes to the core of the brain. And so it's, it's got a bit of travel yes. distance. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. And what makes you also feel better is that Neuralink... It's just going to have a little bitty implant in the side of your head and a little itty bitty device that just magnetized and just chink. People, That's it. People don't realize how close we are to this shit. Very, very close. Neo wakes in a world of all white. He's in the construct, a loading float platform that Morpheus and his team used to prepare newly freed humans to deal with the matrix world. Gone are the sockets in Neo's arm and neck and his hair has grown in. Morpheus tells him that what he is experiencing to himself is the residual self image, the mental projection of your digital self, his Instagram photo and bids him to sit while he explains the truth. This he says, showing an image of a modern city is the world that, you know, it's the world we all know. A thing that really exists only as part of a neural interactive simulation that we call the matrix. Yes, this is when Morpheus sits there and says, everything you know has been a computer program and you, my friend, are an avatar. Which, that's a tough pill to swallow. 
<laughs> ah, look at him go. He's got jokes. Uh, Morpheus goes on to say, at some point in the early 21st century of all of mankind was united in celebration as we gave birth to artificial intelligence, a singular consciousness that birthed an entire race of machines. Oops. Someone started a war, and no one knows who, but it was known that it was mankind who blotted out the sky, attempting to deprive the machines of the solar power they required to function. Okay, we're not spreading lies here. We know it was Skynet. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Morpheus goes, <laughs> Instead, the machines turned to humans as a power source. That backfired, enslaving them like Neo had been before he was freed. Morpheus goes on to explain that a human's body provides more electricity than a 120-volt battery and over 25K BTUs and body heat. Morpheus shows Neo fields where machines grow human beings, connecting them to their outlets, ensconcing them in their pods, and feeding them with the liquefied remains of other human beings. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world created to keep us under control to turn us into copper-top batteries. Respect, respect. You know, when you think about it, this movie has relevance today because that residual self-image is now how we live on social media with Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and whatnot. We as humans have created our own matrix and are slaves to the very thing we were warned about in 1999. If you watch this movie today, you could make the case that the machines won. Most people can't go an hour without checking on their digital selves. When you plug for, unplug from it, you feel a level of freedom, but you miss all the things that attract you to it. And Generation X is the last generation to know what life was like before the mass use of internet and social networking. It's why people my age act very differently than millennials. We knew life before the enslavement. Oh, I was going to add. Kick that shit back in. And we care more about our digital currencies than things that we have in the real world. We care more about likes than we do have friends. We care more about videos on the internet than actual moments in real life. By the way, it's a really cool concept that humans are used as batteries. I think it's great. I think that's. I think we've now seen another solution to sustainable energy. I think so. Also, yeah. Old people. We gotta recycle them. That's, okay. that, that's a lot of recycling. You give them 15 years of social security and then you go, you know what? Now you're off the dole. Neo rejects this information so feverishly that he demands release from the construct. He's back in the chair in the hovercraft. The crew pull out the spike at the back of his head and he fights to free himself from this harsh reality only to end up throwing up all over the floor and passing out, which I'm sure Mouse had to clean up. He's going to pop. He's going to pop. Uh, when Neo wakes up in his bunk, Morpheus is beside him. I can't go back, can I? No, you dumb f- Nope. <laughs> Sorry, bud. He Can apo- I go back already? <laughs> he apologizes to Neo <laughs> for breaking a cardinal rule. After a certain age, people aren't brought out of the simulacrum, but Morpheus explains he had to bring Neo out. When the Matrix was created, there was a man born inside it who would create his own reality inside it. It was this man who set Morpheus and the others free. When he died, the Oracle prophesied that he would return in another form and that the return of the One would mean the destruction of the Matrix. As long as the Matrix exists, humanity will continue to live in complacency inside it, and the world can never be free. I did what I did because I believe that search is over, says Morpheus. Oh, so Neo's the one. He's our Anakin Skywalker. Hi. He's our Harry Potter, our Jesus Christ. Same idea, different platform, presentation. Got it. Yeah. Our savior to be. And if I was Neo, I'd be asking to go back to. Born, in, born of uh, a mechanical virgin. Yes. The next day, 
<laughs> Neo starts his training. Tank is his operator. Tank and his brother Dozer are 100% pure old-fashioned homegrown human, born in the real world, a genuine child of Zion. Zion's the last human city buried deep in the earth near the core for warmth. Tank straps Neo back into the jack-in chair. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> the jack-in chair. Bypasses some preliminary programs, which I'm sure should have been helpful, but for some reason don't matter, and loads him up with combat training, starting with jujitsu. When Tank hits load, Neo is shocked by the force of the knowledge pouring into him. Neo is fed a series of martial arts techniques, including Kempo, Taekwondo, Drunken Boxing, and Kung Fu. I thought Kempo was just for middle-aged women. Kempo? Yeah, because wasn't there like that VHS, like... That's Taibo. Oh, Taibo. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Foxy boxing? Morpheus and Tank are amazed at Neo's ability to ingest information, but Morpheus wants to test Neo. I wish this is how we learn things. <laughs> this is this is Neuralink. Yeah. This is what's going to happen. It's pretty cool, though. Yeah. I just worry I, about someone hacking it. <laughs> yeah, they'll figure that out, but I cannot wait to learn new skills within an instant. Yeah. Morpheus wants to free the humans from the machines, but they appear to operate the exact same way machines do. So could you make the argument that they aren't actually human? Sam, what makes a human human? Let's get weird. Well, <laughs> if you come to the perspective of how we are now, we are not even human. We are past that. We are cyborgs because we can't live without our phones and technologies. Can you go to, uh, let's say... <laughs> <laughs> Can you go to the market without looking up your phone for the direction that you need? Can you remember where to go at all? Oh, I thought you had the music. No, I didn't. Turn it off. Um, I think we are now cyborgs. We rely on our phones. Um, When we lose our phones, we lose a bit of ourselves. We all have that anxiety of we lost something extremely important. It used to be like, oh, all right, it's gone to you have lost a bit of yourself, your contact with the world, your fact opinion checker your source of everything your source to everyone so after humans win this war do you think there's gonna be a civil war amongst those that are purebreds and those that are pluggies no they'll just they'll just be factions just humans are still animals maybe that's what the matrix 4 is going to be about but the matrix the people in the matrix they have the technology but they don't have like Cell phone technology. No, but like Tank doesn't have any plugs on him. And uh, Neo does. Ooh. So you have the, the purebreds. You have the purebreds that can't do anything. And the pluggies that have all the skills. Yeah. But I don't... Do the skills work outside the Matrix? I don't know if they do. They don't, but if they rebuild their civilization, you still got people walking around with plugs all over them. Well, the Borg got around just fine. The Borg. <laughs> Assimilate. Assimilation. Assimilation. <laughs> Morpheus and Neo stand in a sparring program. The program has rules like gravity, but as in many computer programs, some rules can be bent while others can be broken. Morpheus bids Neo to hit him if he can. They fight with Neo, impressively attacking, but Morpheus easily parrying and subduing him. Come on, hit me. The rest of the crew gathers around the monitors to watch the fight. EDM kicks in. Morpheus ends up kicking Neo into a beam, explaining to him that the reason he has beaten him has nothing to do with muscles or reality. They spar again. What are you waiting for? You're faster than this. Neo finally brings a punch near his teacher's face. Neo stops, telling Morpheus, I know what you're trying to do. Morpheus tells him, I'm only trying to show you the door. Whoa, dude. 
<laughs> and Neo must step through it. Um, the best line in this whole scene is when he goes, do you really think that is air you're breathing? Because I remember hearing that and going, what? <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> um, this kind of reminds me of the tutorial scene in a fighting video game where you learn the basics. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, properly enough, is kind of what it is. essentially what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves, They, I think they sell their proficiency in martial arts in this scene really well. Yeah. And um, I, I really don't know. This might be the first movie... Like I, I remember watching a bunch of Bruce Lee movies, and I've I watched you know Jackie Chan movies, but the sound effects of these punches and these fight scenes to me I feel are unique. They might just be my own brain and my own recognition, but the <laughs> like they they have it has its own sound to it. I yeah. don't know. To me, I might be totally wrong. They might be using just sound effects that were recycled, but like. These fight scenes are so much more intense with this sound design in mind. And jumping off that point, usually when you hear in a movie someone punch somebody else, you hear that like that. But this is this actually sounds like someone hitting cloth on a body. Mm -hmm. It's not that guttural sound. You hear the wisp of the cloth. Yeah, and that's what makes it unique is that it feels like a real scene. Yeah, and I'd also love that. Um, I mean, if you watch. John Wick, you know, Keanu Reeves knows his shit yes. when it comes to martial arts. He's a quick study. He knows his shit. And it's so, I mean, the fight, I can't think of a bad fight scene in this entire trilogy. No, no. Like there might be some like, okay, that's a little over top. It's a little much, but. Right. But there, I can't think of one either. No. Um, now this is an interesting fact that I found, but I'm not sure where it affects this movie. And that is prior to pre-production, Keanu Reeves suffered a two level fusion of a cervical spine, which had begun to cause paralysis in his legs, requiring him to undergo neck surgery. He was still recovering by the time of pre-production, but he insisted on training. So Wu Ping Yen let him practice punches and lighter moves. Reeves trained hard and even requested training on days off. However, the surgery still made him unable to kick for two out of four months of training. As a result, Reeves did not kick much in the film. But in this scene, he's kicking a whole lot. I think the first scene that they did for this, for this movie, was the last scene of the movie. Because if you watch that scene, he doesn't do any kicking. He, in fact, he fights him one-armed the entire time. Yeah. And I have a feeling that was the first scene filmed for this movie. But he does kick, though. He does one kick to kick him across the room. Man, I shouldn't have watched the reload. I shouldn't have watched Reloaded, because <laughs> now, because now I think I'm mixing them up. Because I thought he did the like the jumping, like oh shoot, walking up the stairs kick. Like he jumps and like whop whop whop. I thought he does that. Oh, he did do that. Yeah. Okay. He did that. Yeah. But he probably did that in another movie. He prop. Well, I'm sure it's his go-to. It's his Liu Kang. <laughs> <laughs> A jump program is loaded. Both men now stand on one of several tall buildings in a normal city skyline. Morpheus tells Neo he must free his mind and leaps easily, but impossibly, from one building to the next. Neo nervously tries to follow him and doesn't make the jump. Falling to the pavement below, Neo wakes up back in the Nebuchadnezzar with blood in his mouth. I thought it was real, he says. Your mind makes it real, replies Morpheus. So if you die in the Matrix, you die here. (laughs) The body cannot live without the mind. If you get barreled. (laughs) 
Out in the simulation, you get barreled out here? <laughs> yes. Uh, Tubular. And this is one of the most important rules in the franchise. It cannot be bent. If you die in the Matrix, you die in real life. There are stakes in the Matrix. Okay. And, and I don't know what's scarier. Like, these, like, the stakes are real, but it makes me more nervous when a character is dying in this movie because they're dying in a simulation and they're just going brain dead. That's what's happening. Yeah. And it freaks me out. <laughs> you know, is that one of your fears of dying is the brain dead part? Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's that? <laughs> it's uh, the Rick and Morty episode where they're, uh, when it's, He's fighting against President Obama for a uh, an autograph or a hit. no, it's a selfie, right? Yeah, he wanted. Yeah, Morty wanted an Instagram. And he's selfie. like, "Look, don't touch me. You're you're gonna die instantly. Look, I'm not joking. It's just a black and nothingness. It's really like it's really scary." And then the dude dies and just drops like, "What just happened? He died. That's death." <laughs> well played. <laughs> <laughs> later <laughs> later while Neo is sleeping deeply Trinity brings him dinner outside his room Cypher remarks that Trinity has never brought him dinner he asks Trinity why if Morpheus thinks Neo is the one he hasn't taken him to see the Oracle yet and Trinity says he'll take him when he's ready someone's jealous come on Cypher this is not the first guy so. you pulled out thought he was the one <laughs> Morpheus and Neo are all walking down a standard street in what appears to be the Matrix. Morpheus explains that the Matrix is a system and that the system is their enemy. All the people that inhabit it, the people that are trying to be free, are part of the system. Some are so inert, so dependent upon the Matrix that they can never be free. And Neo notices a one hot-looking girl in a red dress. But when he turns around, there's a gun pointed at him from an agent. And Morpheus stops the simulation, which has been created just to look like the Matrix. Morpheus, that was not fair. Everyone in that whole thing was black and white, and she was in bright red. That's a cheap move. It's a lesson. It's a cheap move. It's a lesson. Should it's have a put them all be learned. Regular clothing, and then the hot girl. No, no. This is this was an accurate and good test to show that you need to be aware of your surroundings at all times and don't get distracted. All it showed was that <laughs> John Wick has the attention span of a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Worm. Better go eat that. <laughs> Neo asks what the agents are. They're sentient programs that can move in and out of software, hardwired into their system, meaning that they can take over anyone in the Matrix program. Inside the Matrix, Morpheus says, they are everyone and they are no one. Now, I thought they were sentinels. No. Sentinels that were able to jack in. No, they are... Rogue program. Well, they're programs linked to the thing. Yeah. It's not till later that one becomes a rogue program. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like to think of them as kind of like virusware. No, yeah, they're they're definitely um, virus protection. Yeah. And then Agent it's Smith exactly becomes like McAfee gone road. <laughs> it's he it becomes a virus himself. It's safeguarding every website. Come on. <laughs> He's doing what must be done. <laughs> Thus, Morpheus and his crew survive the agents by running from them and hiding from the agents, even though they are guarding all the doors. They're holding all the keys. And sooner or later, someone is going to have to fight them. But no one who has ever stood up to an agent has survived. All have died. Still, Morpheus is certain that because the agents live in a world of rules, that they can never be as strong, never be as fast as he can be. What are you trying to tell me? That I, I can dodge bullets? When you're ready, you won't have to. 
Just then, Morpheus gets a phone call. We've got trouble, Cypher says. <laughs> so in other words, if you can hack well, it can break every firewall. Neo knows this already. The Nebuchadnezzar is on alert. They see the holographic image of a squiddy, a search and destroy sentinel, which is on their trail. They set the, it's a cute name for something so menacing. They set the ship down in a huge sewer system and turn off the power. Tank stands at the ready switch of an EMP, the only weapon man has against the machines in the real world. Two squiddies search for the ship. The crew can see them, but they move on. I'm a little confused about the EMP here. When one is used, it knocks out the squiddies and the ship. However, yes. the ship can recharge. Can the squiddies not recharge? No. How come the machines haven't figured this shit out? <laughs> I don't have a rebuttal of that. They they figured out how to turn us all into batteries, but they can't figure out how to make rechargeable batteries. <laughs> or a defense. Yeah, I don't know, because they're able to do, uh, I mean, they're able to fly. <laughs> they're able to fly yes. without any seemingly form of propulsion. None. Also, they look like you you chopped a cicada in half and stuck an octopus butt onto the back. You say an octopus butt? Yeah. Because okay. it's, it's not an octopus either. No, it's a squid. It's not a squid, though. It's a little cicada. It even has like the little like mouth and like arms. But it's got the tentacles of a squid. An octopus. Well, it has more than eight legs. Yeah, it doesn't have... Squids don't have more than eight legs. Yes, they do. They do? I think so. Looking this up right now. <laughs> Squid let, let I hope so. count. <laughs> Things eight. we're looking up on the internet today. Eight, bitch. Only eight? Eight. That's a bunch of shit. Neil, <laughs> star <laughs> Neil, st Neil startles Cypher, who's working at a computer console. He ain't working. He's watching porn. Cypher offers Neo a drink and says that he knows what Neo is thinking. Why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? Neo laughs, but is unsettled. Cypher asks Neo if Morpheus has told him why he's here, and Neo nods. Jesus, what a mind job. So you're here to save the world. I love Joey Pants. He's great. Every he's the only one who every line he says, I'm you like, it's perfect. Two amazing villains. Yes. In this movie. Two truly amazing villains. And then when the second one came out, oh no. Mm, jumping into the third movie. With Bane? I thought it was Cypher. Because they have like a goatee. And they have Basically a bald head. Oh, I can't wait and to do this movie. creepy now. as hell. Because I, th I thought it was Cypher back. I, I saw him and I was like, wow, how did they get somebody to have a face model very similar to Smith's? Because he looks like weaving with a goatee. Yeah, it's but it's that weird mix of mix, both. Yeah. Maybe he's just a CGI character. Mm. Cypher is now in a fancy restaurant with Agent Smith and the Matrix. Agent Smith asks if they have a deal. Cypher cuts up a juicy steak and ruminates that he knows the steak is merely the simulation, telling his brain that it is delicious and juicy. But after nine years, he's discovered that ignorance is bliss. He strikes a deal for the machines to reinsert his body into a power plant, reinsert him into the Matrix, and he'll help the agents. He wants to be rich and powerful. An actor, maybe. Ha <laughs> ha. Smith says he wants access codes to do the mainframe in Zion. Cypher says he can't do that, but that he can get the man who does, meaning Morpheus. And I love the harp that plays beforehand because it's kind of like what sitcoms do in a dream sequence. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how you know you're in the Matrix right there. Because it switches right then and there, yeah. too. He's in the restaurant. Um, What a now, dick, what a, though. What a dick. But I, I, he's I angry, him. and I don't... I kind of don't blame him. Dick move, but you can find empathy and like, you can see why he's doing it. Like I'd be pissed too. I want to go just have a steak in a restaurant. I just want to be rich and maybe an actor. I don't want to have to do this shit anymore and live in a submarine eating protein goop. I think I have a question that might ruin this for you. Okay. How did he get in? Without being noticed by anybody else? Because don't you need somebody to jack you in and work the monitors? (sighs) (laughs) And then somebody has to pull him out, right? Right. See, I don't know. (laughs) Sam, do we have a problem that no one's explored? (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, I'm wondering if he's able to just communicate via the monitor. I guess I would have liked it if he had a partner on the ship also. It would have made a little more sense. Be- uh, man, I think you just I think you just <laughs> found the ultimate plot hole. I did. I, Has this ever? It, I've never seen this plot hole ever. Has this- I didn't put it in the notes. <laughs> it just came to my brain. <laughs> yeah, because you need somebody to get you in. Right. But more importantly. To get you out. To get you out. So how did he? Yeah, and it's not like you could just. And no one noticed he was lying there. And no other <laughs> ship. Right. Oh. Like it, what if they had a what if they had assigned APOC in that role? You could have sacrificed APOC in that role, for sure. Yeah, or Mouse. No, digital he, pimp. <laughs> he's a good boy. He's too excited about Neo. So, if you have any thoughts on this, please write in because we'd love to hear what you think about wow. <laughs> how he, did he, he get just, in? <laughs> he just broke me there. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, inside the Nebuchadnezzar's small dining dining room in the in the real world, the rest of the crew is trying to choke down some awful looking gruel that they have as sustenance. Miles muses on the mistakes the machines may have made trying to get the sensations right, like the taste of chicken. Since they didn't know what it tasted like, they let everything taste like it. I More was f- eating when I was. Watching this, I was like, I I just thought about that. I was like, oh shit, what if this isn't real chicken? What if this isn't really air I'm breathing? I just heard a metal band. Is that my dad? I just heard a metal band playing in Kroger in Brentwood. Something's definitely wrong. Morbius interrupts the meal, announcing that he's taking Neo to see the Oracle. I think the scene is necessary, but it's way too short. Because I like to see the camaraderie of all the characters. And Reminds me of uh, Alien. Yes, right. The dinner, the dinner scene at mm-hmm. Alien. Yeah. These characters are about to become zeros in the Matrix. And their loss should be felt more. You get that by writing more intimate conversations beforehand in order to get the audience to feel the imprint of the character. But the only intimate conversation Neo's had outside of Trinity is Cypher. Yeah. Well, Annie's about to try to get hooked up with a, a girl in a red dress. Yeah. Pimp on the ship. I can arrange, arrange. <laughs> some time. 
<laughs> Morpheus, Trinity, Neo, Apox, Witch, Mouse, and Cypher are jacked into the Matrix. As they walk out of a warehouse, Cypher secretly throws a cell phone into the garbage. On the car ride to the Oracle, Neo asks Trinity if she has seen the Oracle. Trinity says that she has, but when she's asked just what she was told by the Oracle, she refuses to answer. How come everyone came with them to the Oracle? You only needed Neo and Morpheus and Trinity, right? Yeah, but I think it's more protection and you work as a unit, especially with the Oracle. Like, I, I would like to say the Oracle as in like the Greek <laughs> yes. like, foreteller, but... Not the guidance counselor the guidance, that we get. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to go back to you. <laughs> I want to go back to the cipher and the agent thing. Um, so I just thought about maybe like, which it doesn't make sense because Cypher's enjoying a steak himself. You can tell. It's not just like a program like the girl in the red dress, just like an, an avatar that he's just like, go over here. But also, how does that conversation start? Like, hey Yeah. Guy, you want to, you know, <laughs> shoot immediately without even saying any word, just guns go. I got a deal for you. Like, how does that conversation start? I feel like this is a robot chicken you sketch a- waiting to be written. And it's like... <laughs> Sends, wait, 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 wait. Before you do anything, I got a deal. He's like, he just sends an AIM, just like an AIM. <laughs> where you where you at? Cypher like, 69. <laughs> hey, you want to meet up for steak? I got I got something good for you. Yes, Mr. Regan. <laughs> okay. I'll see you there at 7:30, boo. We have a date with Mr. Regan. <laughs> Dot, dot, dot. Smiley face, smiley face. Who, by the way, is the only other person in this movie with a last name? Mr. Smith and Mr. Anderson. I mean, well, human. There's Thomas Anderson, and then we find out Cypher is Mr. Regan. Oh. We don't know Morpheus' real name. We don't know Trinity's real name. We don't know anybody else's. Yeah, and I'm assuming that's just because every time somebody, anytime Morpheus pulled somebody out of the Matrix, well, no, because they don't, they pull them out at a young age, so they must have been there forever. No, but uh, but when they pull people out, the agents are on to them, right? And they're acting as like antivirus. Yeah, but the Smith doesn't call Morpheus his real name; he calls him Morpheus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm nitpicking, I know. (laughs) The Oracle has been with them since the beginning of the Resistance. She's the one who made the prophecy of the one. That prophecy would be the one, that Morpheus would be the one to find him. She can help Neo find the path, he says. Uh, He enters the apartment of the Oracle, inside of the other potentials, a mother figure and numerous children. One child levitates blocks. One reads Asian literature and another is playing chess. One bald child is bending spoons. He gives one... not the spoon. (laughs) Do not try to... And the spoon, that's impossible. <laughs> Instead, only try to realize the truth that there is no fucking spoon. Neo bends the spoon as he's called in to see the oracle. And I still use the phrase, there is no spoon whenever I'm teaching math. No, when a student asks me something and he goes, that's not, you can't do that. It's impossible. I go, there is no spoon. spoon. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> and that child levitating blocks, is that Wanda Maximoff? <laughs> She's doing that shit at the end of uh, before Age of Ultron. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're right. I know. Jesus, the Oracle's baking cookies. You can sit. I know you won't. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm not sitting. Yeah. This, would you've you done you... it if I told you not to. <laughs> I don't know. I probably would have. My legs are killing me. <laughs> but you said I'm going to be standing, so now I'm standing. 
the, mind the Oracle is quite cryptic. Extremely. Yeah. I, here's my thing. I love her. <laughs> I love her. I love what she does. She's such a pain in the ass. I'm glad it's not just like, you know, some foreteller that's reading runes and saying, this is it. It's she, I think it's, she's very tongue in cheek about being the Oracle. And I love it. Yeah. She tells Neo that either he or Morpheus is going to die. Yeah. She's like, sorry, baby. And that Morpheus believes in him so much that he's going to sacrifice his life to save Neo. And Neo's sitting there going, I'm kind of on board, but not quite all the way. And she basically says, then it ain't you, bitch. (laughs) Then she gives him a cookie, which is kind of funny because a cookie's a little piece of data. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And, but also she does a little foreshadowing that nobody sees coming. Which is, which is what? She goes, sorry, baby. You're not the one, at least in this life. Maybe in the next. Ah. When he dies and has come and is brought back to life with the sweet, sweet lovins. I did not even catch that. No? Not even once. Yeah, dude. Wow. Yeah. Look at us bringing new shit to the <laughs> arena. <laughs> As the crew returns to their jack point, <laughs> Tank in the control room notices something odd. Meanwhile, Neo, walking up the stairs, sees what appears to be the same fucking cat cross a room twice. Deja vu, he says, which gets the attention of Trinity and Morpheus. Deja vu is a glitch in the Matrix. It happens when they reset the computer parameters. Outside, which is a cool way of describing deja vu. It is such a cool way of describing it. It really is. Um, Outside, the phone line is cut. Mouse runs into a window, which has now been bricked in. They are trapped. Mouse picks up two massive-ass machine guns, but he's no match for the police coming into the room. He's riddled with bullets. Back on the Nebuchadnezzar, the real mouse spurts blood from his mouth and dies in the chair. I have always been devastated by this death. Really? I've always been devastated by this death. I loved mouse. I think it's just the idea of like this excited kid who is a part of this crew. He's like, you know, he's the, he's the digital pimp. He's a digital pimp, but he's the John. What's the, uh, God damn it. Treasure Island. What's the main character's name? John Hawkins. Yes. John Hawkins. He's like the John Hawkins. He's just like scrubbing the deck. He's excited. You know, he's there. Yeah. And then he dies. Then be the breaks. Yeah. His residual self should have been stronger. <laughs> against, yeah. Okay. Against the full SWAT team. Well, I mean, I mean, he tried to go full Duke Nukem on them, but maybe wear armor next time you go to the Matrix. I mean, maybe, if, if it's dangerous, maybe do this. Maybe have some better aim. Maybe a little Kevlar next time. Yeah. You know, trench coats look cool, but they're going to stop bullets. Hey, fashion over function, man. Fashion over function. Fashion over function. If you did, you see Switch's outfit in this? Gorgeous for Memorial Day. <laughs> like white combat boots with white pants and a white trench coat with her white hair. Yeah, she's a uh, she's all white. Now I wonder if it's. I wonder if that's where they found the um, the Switch name of being the only one in white when everyone else is in black. Like I'm gonna do something different. Well, no, it was like the switch because coding and computers are very black and white, zeros yes. and ones. So everyone's zero and then switch. She's a different. Not like this. Not like this. Oh, where, honey. Oh, honey. Not like this. Yeah, where'd that Southern accent come from? It didn't have that before. 
It's okay. I hide mine too. <laughs> I'm ashamed of it too. It's okay. More police and agents stream into the bottom of the hotel. Morpheus's tank find a layout of the building they're in, locating the main wet wall. The agents arrive on the floor they're on, finding a coat that Cypher has left behind. They only find a hole in the bathroom wall, but no one seems to check it for some odd reason. Meanwhile, the crew is climbing down the plumbing of the wet wall. As the police approach, Cypher sneezes. Dick. Once more, giving them away. The police open fire. The crew, including Neo, begin to fight back. An agent takes over the body of one of the policemen, reaches into the wall, and grabs Neo by the neck. Morpheus, who is above Neo in the walls, breaks through the wall and lands on the agent, yelling to Trinity to get Neo out of the building. A fierce battle between Agent Smith and Morpheus ends with Morpheus face down on the tile. Agent Smith sends the police unit in to beat him with their batons. Agent Smith whooped that ass. Yes, he did. Hugo Weaving ah. can fight. <laughs> You're, it just... He looks like he got the shit kicked out of him. He really does. Yeah. It when he hits his head on the toilet bowl. Oh yeah. My head hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Every hit, just the just the sounds that were coming out of that dude's body, just that was a painful ass whooping. Yeah, and when I see them hiding the walls, I can't turn my brain off. I see this as them hiding within the written code. Oh, that's super cool. I didn't even think about that. I, I just... And when <laughs> Cypher sneezes... It's always been like it's a Wes Anderson thing. When Cypher sneezes, it's the line of code that prevents the plan from executing. Uh-huh. White rabbit object. See, that's what Nedry used in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. Uh-uh-uh. You didn't say the magic word. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> uh, I, I, all I could hear was um, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Soundtrack when they're climbing. <laughs> I know Cypher wanted to double cross him, but I don't think this is the way he wanted to do it. I think it got messy, and I think it wasn't supposed to go down like this. No, because they're shooting at him too. Yes. Uh, well, so was he betrayed by Smith? No, he sneezed on accident. Well, I know he sneezed on accident, but like. Still, like when you're when you're giving up somebody like that and you're guaranteed like safety, you think uh, precautions are made, but I guess not because like I, I don't know, it it was just so messy. Yeah, like it didn't like go as cleanly as it could have. Right, and I'm I, maybe that's like the downfall. Maybe because if he got pulled back in, yeah, and it's that because it doesn't make sense because even when um they were separated and. Trinity calls him, calls up uh, Dozer and was like, hey, we need an exit. It's like, hey, you're close to Cypher. And they go, Cypher? <laughs> like, they're like, he's already out? Like, what the, what's going on? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a little messy. It is messy. Speaking of Cypher, Cypher returns to Nebuchadnezzar before Trinity. Neo, Switch, and Apex. So, he got the fuck out of there on that wet wall. Oh. And ha- they never noticed he went away that fast. Uh, as Tank attempts to bring the others back, Cypher attacks him from behind with an electronic weapon. That looks like it hurts. Dozer attempts to tackle Cypher, but Cypher... You know what? I gotta read this with the right music. <clears throat> yeah, let's go with that. <clears throat> Let me do that all again. Cypher returns to Nebuchadnezzar before Trinity, Neo, Switch, and Apoc. As Tank attempts to bring the others back, Cypher attacks him from behind with an electronic weapon. Dozer attempts to tackle Cypher, but Cypher electrocutes him as well. Trinity attempts to call Tank, but Cypher pulls the headset off the smoking remains of Tank and answers. <laughs> what is this music? <laughs> Why did you choose this? <laughs> what is your reasoning behind this? 
This is like the, you might as well have been playing the chicken dance. <laughs> it's just back and forth. Like, try to get this person. Can't get, nope, try to get this one. That's nope, just nope, how try it's Try to get written. this one. That's, that's not how it, to get this one. That's not how it plays out in the movie. That's just how it's written. <laughs> Cypher talks to Trinity inside the Matrix. He leans over the still form of Trinity in the hovercraft. Cypher recounts the things he hates about the real world, especially Morpheus and his beliefs. Nah. Cypher pulls the plug out of the back of Apoc's head, and Apoc falls down dead in the Matrix. Not like this. Cypher then moves to switch, and as she protests in the Matrix, Cypher kills her on the ship. She falls down dead before Trinity and Neo. Cypher moves on to Neo's supine form, saying that if Neo is the one, a miracle prevents Cypher from killing him. How could he be the one if he's dead? <laughs> you, oh, what does he say? When he, when he sees Tank, you gotta be shitting. What does he say? I don't remember. It's a great line. I know. And I don't have it here. Uh, it's going to kill me. Holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit. He continues, I don't believe it. That's what he says. I don't I, believe it. Oh, yeah, because she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it plays off so well because the question before was, how can he be the one if he, he's, and it's like, he asked Trinity, like, do you really believe this? Right. Do you believe this horse? And he goes, I do. I don't believe it. And like you think, oh, he's just a psychopath. This is going to happen. And then, you know, carry on with what happens next. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tank blasts him. Tank fries Cypher with the electrical device. Tank brings Trinity back, and she finds out that Dozer is dead. Yeah, uh, you took out. I, look, <laughs> you, you say there wasn't much, but I think there was just enough. Could you imagine if this movie was 30 minutes longer? God, no. I think it was paced out so perfectly that they just didn't have enough room. I thought that they had enough character interaction and just enough to make me care about every single crew member aboard the Nebuchadnezzar because it still hurts to see Mouse die. It's really f***ed up to see Epoch and Switch die and get, like, ricked and be just cold, hard, Death. If I put a lineup up of five actors, all that looked similar to APOC, could you pick out the one that actually played APOC? Steven Seagal. Was not Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> he was under siege. I said I cared about the character. I don't care about the actor. <laughs> they're fodder. They are. They're fodder for this. That's what their role is. But and I still I don't... cared about the alien crew was fodder, and I still cared about all of them. Right. But there was also an hour of character development before you got the alien on board. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say it was. You knew about the bonus situation. <laughs> I still think it was enough to give strength to the characters aboard the Nebuchadnezzar um, for viewers to care about their deaths. I put APOC and Cypher up there with some of the colonial Marines and aliens that had to go with the aliens before they got to Hicks and Hudson and all them. I can deal with that. Yeah, okay. I can deal with that. All right. Uh, this is one of my favorite scenes <laughs> uh, because you have Cypher questioning his faith, destroying everything around him because of his contempt, and then ultimately in his final moments, recognizing that his recognition of fate as coincidence is the last thing he sees. So beautiful. And uh, I kind of thought Tank was dead. I, I thought he was dead. Uh, yeah, first first time <laughs> viewing this, you're like, how the f*** are they going to get out of this? But when he looks at me, he goes, I don't believe it. I thought Neo 
woke up on the ship. Oh, that'd be cool. And now he was operating in both the internet mm. and in real life. Mm. Which, that doesn't happen until the second movie. Mm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Agent Smith marvels at the beauty of the Matrix as he gathers out at the city all around them. He informs Morpheus, who is tied to a chair, that the first Matrix was designed as a utopia, engineered to make everyone happy. It was a disaster, says Agent Smith. (laughs) (laughs) People wouldn't accept the program and entire crops were lost. Some believed, continues Smith, that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world. But I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. The perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from, which is why the Matrix was redesigned. Agent Smith compares humans to dinosaurs and that evolution is taking hold. Another agent enters and relays that there may be a problem as they now know that Cypher has failed. Such a truth bomb! (laughs) There's so much relevance. It's amazing how beautifully written this scene is. Uh... Because this scene almost dares Warner Brothers to make the sequels. Because they just introduced a much larger world in just a few lines of dialogue. Mm -hmm. And when you read this and you go, they could have ended this movie with the first one, but we'd all be sitting there going, wait a second, what were the Clone Wars? Don't worry, episode two is coming. (laughs) It's not what you wanted, but it's what you got. Yeah. Um Back on the hover, and you know what? When he talks about the perfect world, my first thought is that must have been their Eden. And they rebelled against it, which is why they were cast out. And now you have all this other shit going on. Uh, Back on the hovercraft, based on the shuddering form of Morpheus, Tank realizes that they're trying to get the codes to the mainframes of Zion's computers. A breach of Zion's defenses would mean that the last remaining vestiges of mankind would be wiped out. Invasion. Tank says their only choice is to unplug Morpheus, effectively killing him. Now look, survival when you're an endangered species requires sacrifices, okay? This is a viable plan if they're going to save the humans. Normally, this would be used to manufacture steaks, but there are real consequences here. Tank is performing what amounts to the last rites for Morpheus, laying one hand on his head as his other moves to the back of his skull to remove the jack, and just as he's about to pull it out... (laughs) You're such a child. <laughs> 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 oh, he pulled out on the jacket chair. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you don't have to clean up. He realized he realizes that the Oracle was right. He now has to make the choice to save himself or to save Morpheus. His choice is to head back into the Matrix. Trinity rejects the idea. Morpheus gave himself up so that Neo could be saved since he is the one. I'm not the one, Trinity. Neo says, relaying his understanding of the discussion with the Oracle. She did not enlighten him as to whether he was the promised Messiah. And since Morpheus was willing to sacrifice himself, Neo knows that he must do the same. Tank calls it suicide. It's a military building with agents inside, you dipshit. Neo says he only knows that he can bring Morpheus out. Trinity decides to come with him, reasoning with Neo that he will need her help, and she's the ranking officer on the ship. Tank says, load us up. (laughs) You, you know who would make this kind of decision, Neo? The one. The one. The one would make this decision, Neo. But he's not the one. Not yet. He just doesn't know it yet. He doesn't know thyself. He's not the chosen one. <laughs> well, I didn't vote for you. He has the higher ground. <laughs> Don't try anything. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Aiden Smith continues to share his musings <laughs> with a brutalized Morpheus because this guy loves to monologue. Oh my gosh. It's a great monologue. Too. It is. It's like the sweat. It stinks. It stinks. <laughs> he sticks his fingers in his nose. Smell it. <laughs> because humans spread to an area, consume the natural resources, and to survive must spread to another area, Smith says we are not mammals but viruses, the only other creature that acts that way. It's a pretty good analogy. Morpheus has yet to break, and Smith asks the other agents why the serum isn't working. Maybe we're asking the wrong questions. Response one, what a dick. To that, Smith commands the other agents to leave him alone with Morpheus. Smith removes his earphone and his glasses and confides that he hates the Matrix. The agents were already skeptical of this decision, correct? Yes. So he's already, like, breaking out of his program. He's already, you know, getting a... He's already getting a little conscious in his self, a little voice in his head. This is the moment where I fall in love with Agent Smith. No. It's this moment. It wasn't the part of the speech before. It was this part where he pulls the earpiece out and he goes, this zoo, this prison. Smith admits that he must get out of this reality. He hates the stench. He's sure that some element of the humans will rub off on him and that Morpheus holds the key to his release. If there's no Zion, there's no need for Smith to be in the Matrix. You are going to tell me or you are going to die. I'm like, yes, yes, he's a good villain. I like him, I like him, I like him. <laughs> he's gone rogue he's ripping that earpiece out he's officially not plugged into the matrix that's dangerous mm -hmm. downstairs in the lobby trinity and neo enter heavily armed they shoot their way past the guards and a group of soldiers and make their way into the elevator and this was another big laugh in the theater when they walk through the metal detectors <laughs> <laughs> and i think everyone has tried to run on the walls since this movie yeah at oh, some point? 100. Everybody has held out two submachine guns <laughs> running at a wall and turned sideways to imitate that they were running on said wall. Yep. Absolutely. There are two things that everyone has done, and that is while leaving a store with their friends and a wall is there, they've done a little parkour off the wall, or they've gone up to a store, waved their hand in front as the automatic doors open, pretending they have the force. <laughs> In the elevator, Trinity arms a bomb. They both climb through a hatch in the elevator roof, attaching a clamp to the elevator cable. Neo says, there is no spoon, before he severs the cable with a few shots. The counterweight drops, propelling Neo and Trinity upward. The elevator falls to the lobby, exploding upon impact and filling the floor with flames. And the agents feel the rumble of the explosion and the sprinklers come on, which is hysterical. Find them and destroy them, Smith commands. I love when the sprinklers come on. Oh, yeah. It's like this dead air, and then, <laughs> and I just look at it like, this is not right. Yep. What's going on? Every part, every single part of this movie is relevant to the character growth of Neo. There is no spoon as him learning to accept the idea that the rules can be bent. It's his first step into faith in the moment. It's why this podcast is running so long is because there is no wasted time in this. No, uh, I actually had this thought when I was um, filling in some of the uh, portions of this was that he is truly uh, a part of the hero's paradigm. Yes. From beginning to end. Mm -hmm. that is, it's, some movies, it's, it's like it's, it's hidden in details, but this is where it's like... This is Luke Skywalker. Full on hero paradigm, Luke Skywalker... 
to the fullest. But it's done so well, you don't automatically think Luke Skywalker. You go, this is something this completely is, different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're like, oh shit, maybe he isn't the one. He's, he's just this guy. Yeah, maybe his dad's not I can, And I can relate because I'm not the one. Morphe Wan Kenobi? Morphe Wan Kenobi. <laughs> On the roof, a helicopter pilot is calling Mayday as Trinity and Neo take out the soldiers there. Agent Brown takes over the pilot and appears behind Neo. Neo shoots several rounds at the agent who dodges them and pulls his own weapon. The agent begins to shoot, but instead of being shot, Neo dodges most of the bullets, though two of them nick him. Oopsie. As the agent approaches Neo, (laughs) Medic, who is lying on the ground, he levels a kill shot, but Trinity shoots him before he can fire. One of the sickest one-liners in movie history. Dodge this. Still gives me goosebumps. Gun to the head. Dodge this. (laughs) Bang. Slow-mo. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. God, it's sexy. And the funny thing is, this scene has been parodied so many times when he bends backwards. Oh, yeah. But it is still awesome to see it in the context of this movie. Yes, it's so cool. (laughs) When he does that, you're just like, yeah! (laughs) Uh, Tank downloads the ability to fly the helicopter to Trinity, who can now pilot the aircraft. Trinity brings the helicopter down to the floor that Morpheus is on, and Neo opens fire on the three agents. Not hitting Morpheus, by the way, which is a fucking miracle because he is spreading those shells all over that room. The agents quickly fall and Morpheus is alone in the room. Just as quickly the agents take over other soldiers stationed nearby, Morpheus breaks his bonds and begins to run to the helicopter. But the agents fire on him, hitting his leg. Morpheus leaps, but Neo realizes that he's not going to make the leap and throws himself out of the helicopter. A safety harness attached. He catches Morpheus, but Agent Smith shoots the helicopter's hydraulic line. Unable to control the helicopter, Trinity miraculously gets it close enough to drop Morpheus and Neo on a rooftop. Phew. Neo grabs a safety line as the helicopter falls towards a building. Trinity severs the safety line, connecting Neo to the helicopter, and jumps on it herself as the vehicle smashes into the side of a building, causing a wickedly bizarre ripple in the fabric of the building's reality. Such a cool shot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you believe it now, Trinity? Asks Morpheus. (laughs) Do you believe it now? Do you believe (laughs) me? Neo tries to tell him that the orb sold me out. (laughs) Who did it? Neo tries to tell him that the Oracle told him the opposite, but Morpheus says, she told you exactly what you needed to hear. And Neo thinks, what did that help? They call Tank. (laughs) She told me I wasn't the one. Yeah. I'm not the one. (laughs) They call Tank, who tells them of an exit in a subway near them. Uh, Fun fact, the filming of the helicopter scene nearly caused the film to be shut down because they flew the helicopter through restricted Sydney airspace. Laws in New South Wales, Australia were changed to allow filming to proceed. Wow. This movie changed a government. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What kind of oracle tells you what you want to hear? Like, if I go to a fortune teller, I want to hear the good and the bad and not a bunch of shit. But at the same time, then what does it matter? You're going to end up there, so. But am I? Isn't that the point? Haven't you ever seen That's So Raven? What if What if I'm a variant? Different universe. Oh. the agent- is a simulation. That is amazing. Timeline. The word, is, the word is amazing. The agents arrive on the rooftop, but find only the safety harness in line. Though Agent Smith is angered, the other two are satisfied. A trace has been completed in the real world, and the Sentinels have been dispatched to attack the Nebuchadnezzar. In the subway, they quickly find the phone booth, and Morpheus exits out of the Matrix. A wino watches this occur. On the rooftop, Agent Smith locks into the whereabouts through the wino and appropriates his body. And I love that 
this happens because it's a really good payoff to the idea that anyone in the matrix can be the eyes of the agents. Cause I was wondering when is this going to happen again? It's kind of like the eyes of uh, the Ravens of Odin. Ooh. Meanwhile, as the phone rings, providing. <laughs> Meanwhile, as the phone rings, providing Trinity's exit, she confides to Neo that everything that the Oracle has told her has come true, except for one thing. She, she didn't get that Neo. <laughs> the what? <laughs> that Neo. <laughs> she didn't get that one. Yeah. She getting that jack in chair. She doesn't say what that thing is and picks up the phone just as she sees the approaching agent Smith. Smith shatters the earpiece of the phone. It's impossible for Neo to exit there now. Womp womp. Instead of running, which Trinity implores him to do as she looks on the ship, Neo turns to face Smith. Neo sweeps Agent Smith's head, breaking his glasses. Uh-oh. They trade some thunderous blows with Smith, hitting Neo so hard he spits up blood in the Matrix and in the chair aboard the ship. Neo gets back up, sets himself, and beckons Smith to start again. This time, it's Neo who delivers devastating blow after blow, but Smith counters, throwing Neo into a wall, then pummeling him with body blows. A wind, or a wind from the tunnel signals that a subway train is approaching, and Smith has a wicked notion. He throws Neo into the subway tracks, then drops down there himself. He puts Neo in a headlock, and in the glow of the oncoming subway says, you hear that, Mr. Anderson? That is the sound of inevitability. It goes the shit, man. It is the sound of your death. Goodbye, Mr. Anderson. My name is Neo. Then, with a mighty leap, Neo propels them to the ceiling of the tunnel. They fall back down, and Neo backflips off the tracks, leaving Agent Smith to the oncoming train. Neo heads for the stairs, but Smith has already appropriated another body, and he emerges from the doors of the train. Now, this is interesting. Thumbing the scene when Neo slams Smith into the ceiling, Chad Stahelski, whose Keanu Reeves' stunt double sustained several injuries, including broken ribs, knees, and a dislocated shoulder. Another stuntman was injured by a hydraulic puller during a shot where Neo was slammed into a booth. Now, Chad Stahelski would get his revenge, I'm sure, because he was the director of the John Wick series. <laughs> uh, it I puts totally, him through hell. <laughs> I totally believe this. Um, there's, there's only a couple times when the action is cheesy it's the editing mm. or just like yeah clearly you're that was real bad yeah. but the jump scene that slams in the wall it looks like it's happening yes even the way the bodies are going up and down like it looks real yep <laughs> so i totally believe that that dude got <laughs> up yes he did <laughs> and i also want to point this out in that in in today like dur during today, 2021, that's the year now. This is the worst sentence ever. <laughs> when the they film 2021, when, when they film these erratic fight scenes, you, they try to use a lot of shaky cam, but this movie does not use any of it. None. They None let whatsoever. you see the action. Smooth. It's beautiful. They don't transformers it. No. Uh, meanwhile, the Sentinels have arrived to attack the Nebuchadnezzar. There's five of them, and they're closing fast. Morpheus tells Tank to charge the EMP, but Trinity reminds Morpheus, hey, you can't use that while Neo's in the Matrix, you dumb f Back in the streets of the Matrix, Neo swipes a cell phone from a nearby suit. He calls Tank to get him out of there, calls him Mr. Wizard. He races through a crowded market while agents appropriate bodies right and left, kind of like John Wick's uh, after at the end of uh, John Wick 2. Uh, they force Neo down a dark alley. He kicks in a door and rushes through an apartment complex where the agents appropriate more bodies, including that of a sweet little old lady who throws a knife at Neo as Agent Smith. 
Neo leaps down into a pile of garbage with the agents in hot pursuit. On the Nebuchadnezzar, the Sentinels arrived. Yay! They begin to tear the ship apart. Now, in the Matrix, Neo arrives back at the heart of the city hotel. Tank tells him to go to room 303. Oh, we're back at the beginning of the movie again. The agents are literally at his heels. The Sentinels breach the hull of the ship. Trinity, standing next to Neo's body in the chair, begs him to hurry. Neo reaches room 303 and enters, and he's immediately uh, shot. Well, and the shit. Credits, and that's it. And he's dead. That's credits roll. That's the end of the movie. It was the lead up. And the sacrifice to the not-so-the-one. But it's not! (laughs) (laughs) What a great song. I love that song so much. Okay. Trinity leans over his dead body. She explains that the orb... Give it another song, guys. (laughs) Play the same one! Okay. (laughs) She explains that the oracle told her she would fall in love with the one. Therefore, he can't be dead yet since he hasn't fulfilled his destiny. She kisses him and Neo suddenly breathes. In the Matrix, Neo opens his eyes. Now get up, orders Trinity. The agents hear Neo rise behind them and they open fire. This is like in uh, Endgame when Captain Marvel looks down at Peter Parker and says, Hey, Peter. Hey, Peter. You got something for me? (laughs) Now get up. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Yes, ma'am. They empty their guns and he stops their bullets in midair. Fuck. I still get chills. (laughs) What's happening, asks Tank. He is the one, says Morpheus. And then this is my favorite shot of the movie. Back in the Matrix, Neo can see things for what they really are. He sees everything in green code. And you're like, it's over. It's over now. Mm -hmm. Uh, People were clapping at this moment in the theater. I I remember that. Uh, And it's kind of like, okay, let's see what fully powered Neo can do. And... This leads to my second favorite scene, and I call it the Darth Vader Empire. Is scene. it the uh, when he's flexing and he when he's breathe, he's doing the breathing and the walls push out? <laughs> That's an awesome scene, but it's when he because there's a scene in Empire where Luke goes up to Darth and Darth starts fighting him, but he's fighting with one arm. Like I, oh kid, please, <laughs> kid, please, and. This is what Neo does. Agent Smith is furious. He runs to Neo and attacks him. Neo blocks Smith's blows effortlessly before he sends Smith flying with one well-placed kick. He's, he turns his body, and he has this look on his face like, shit, I'm in a zone. <laughs> uh, Neo then leaps into Smith's body and appropriates him. Smith's shell explodes in a sea of code, and Neo is all that is left. The walls buckling in waves as they did when the helicopter crashed, and Agents Brown and Jones look at one another and run away. <laughs> that flex at the end. Ooh. Now, Whoa. at the moment this is happening, yes. Sentinels are also breaking into the ship, correct? Yes. So there's also like... Okay, dude, we know you're the we know you're the one, yeah. you're the shit, but get Hurry the up. back in the ship. <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> um, the Sentinels are now fully in the ship. They're right above Trinity Morpheus. Back in the Matrix, Neo sprints to the ringing phone in the room. Morpheus has no choice but to engage the EMP. He does, and the Sentinels fall inert to the floor. Neo has made it back. He kisses Trinity, and the screen goes black. A command prompt appears. As the grid of numbers appears again, a warning appears, system failure. Over it all is Neo's voice. 
I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this motherfucking phone, and I'm going to show you these people what you want to do with Steve. I'm going to show them a world without you, a world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries, a world where anything is possible, where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. I have a dream. Too much? Oh, I was thinking of the Rage Against the Machine song that kicks in. In the Matrix world, Neo hangs up the phone. He looks at the mindless masses around him, puts on his glasses, and then looks up. From high above the city, we can see him take flight. He's doing a Superman thing. This is a fantastic ending. And if this movie was a (laughs) one-off, I honestly think it would have been enough. When they announced they'd be doing the sequels, I believe a year later, and they'd be filmed at the same time, I thought, all right, let's see what Superman can do. But that's all, folks. That's That's it. That's the Matrix number one, maybe. According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato reading, meter reading of 76%, 34 fresh and 11 rotten. And the critics on average give this one a 6.8 out of 10. Thank, uh, the critics consensus says, thanks to the Wachowski's imaginative vision, the Matrix is a smartly crafted combination of spectacular action and groundbreaking special effects. But let's take a look to see what those critics said about this one from the rotten side and see if they have a point. So these are people, these are from two, or 1999. Oh, I've read this and you'll get to it, but Bob Graham, you can fucking... Suck a fuck. So, Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader, you're first up. There's not much humor to keep it all life-size, and by the final stretch, it became bloated, mechanical, and tiresome. <laughs> he, I guess he thought he was going to see a comedy. I guess. <laughs> it's not what I got from the trailer. And now uh, Bobby Graham from the San Francisco Chronicle says, quote, it's astonishing that so much money, talent, technical expertise, and visual imagination can be put in the service of something so stupid. It's okay. When you can't understand something, it's not stupid. You're just too stupid to understand what's going on. Well, they're stupid Bob, and then Stephen takes it to another level. Oh, I didn't even Stephen Rose into the Denver Post says, The Matrix not only is a failure as a science fiction movie, long on explanation, <laughs> short on inspiration, but it doesn't do anything interesting with the futuristic vision that it takes forever to explain. Did he miss Did he the miss point the of the whole movie? Everything? <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> with all due respect, Mr. Jonathan, Bob, and Steven, I do not agree with you. No. No, sir. <laughs> I don't like it. The audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, was a 3.6 out of 5 with 85% agreeing it's a 3 or higher, but the movie's over. Sam, were you entertained? <laughs> Every goddamn second. <laughs> this is one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time. It just is. I, it, That's... That is what I would say. It's one of the best sci-fis ever. It never gets old. The soundtrack whips. The action still slaps. And the soundtrack is bitching. I was so excited when you wanted to do this because I was like, oh, good. I get to check this out again. Because it's been a while since I've seen the Matrix trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but let's figure out whether the Wards got it right or whether this movie's worth your time or not. So... the Academy Awards, it got four nominations and four wins. Now, this is interesting. Weird for a movie that's so bloated and stupid. This is the first, I believe this is, this movie has, it has the most awards it's gone undefeated for without being nominated for Best Picture. Oh. 
Okay, in so, fact, uh, so it wasn't even nominated for Best Picture. No. So it holds the the record for most awards without being nominated for Best Picture. Yes, and it's one of I think one of one of two movies that's ever gotten Best Film Editing and not gotten the Best Picture nomination. What was, did you do? You have the nominees for Best Movie that year? I don't. But my guess is looking at this that you're looking at Stuart uh, Little. It wasn't Stuart Little, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it American Beauty? That, uh, is definitely Check the it out. Mile. It, was, it was 1999. See, best effects. It won best effects. It won best visual effects and sound effects, best film editing, and best sound. Best. Uh, it got no Golden Globe nominations. Uh, but I the, remember watching. It's, it was Shakespeare in Love one. Oh, oh, it was that year. Saturn Awards. It's great movie. Okay, so Keanu Reeves was nominated for Best Actor at the Saturn Awards, but he lost to Tim Allen in Galaxy Quest. Now, I'm not going to lie. I love Tim Allen in Galaxy Quest. He's great. He's great. He's fantastic. <laughs> Should Keanu Reeves have won? I say he shouldn't have. I like Tim Allen over Galaxy Because Tim Allen did more acting there's, there's in Galaxy Quest. Acting, there's more acting in Galaxy Quest than... Yeah. Okay. Best Actress, Christina Ricci wins for Sleepy Hollow, but Carrie Ann Moss was up for it. Here's the thing. This movie has a tone. The tone is not the tone overly is dramatic. Not overly dramatic. Yeah. Do I believe their performances? Absolutely. Yeah. Except as there's a con. <laughs> in one of my in one of my bottom threes, she's involved. Okay, okay. But it's not her fault. I understand. Uh, best costumes went to Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace over The Matrix. Uh, that's wow, the leather lost. But the costumes in Phantom Menace. Were oh cool. no, I'm being sarcastic. Oh, <laughs> Phantom, yeah, no, those costumes are great. Yeah, I'm surprised that Star Wars didn't get Best Special Effects. Uh, it was nominated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but bullet time camera. That 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 was the key. Yeah. It, have you ever seen the behind the scenes of like yeah. that? Oh my God. It's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, best director went to Wachowskis for The Matrix. So yeah. won that one. Yeah. Uh, best makeup went to The Mummy. <laughs> Which, I don't know why The Matrix is on here for best makeup. Powdering their faces more? What? <laughs> I'm trying to think, yeah. Uh, it won best science fiction film. Great. Uh, Best special effects went to Star Wars Episode One over The Matrix at the Saturn Awards. Best supporting actor went to Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile over Lawrence yeah. Fishburne. Again, not a dramatic I, role. And his performance in Green Mile is outstanding. But, but look who else was up for that. Alan Rickman for Galaxy Quest, Christopher Walken for Sleepy Hollow, Ewan McGregor for Star Wars, Jude Law for Mr. Ripley, Best writer went to Bing John Malkovich over The Matrix, and I'm sorry, The Matrix should have won that one. You didn't like Bing John Malkovich? You it's know so what? fourth wall breaking and so out there. Yeah, but that's the thing. Bing John Malkovich is like playing poker, okay? And somebody raises you, and you go, wait, I didn't expect that. The Matrix is like going all in, because like, oh, that's cute. You're going to oh, bend sure. the fourth wall? I'm going to bend your motherfucking reality. <laughs> um... And plus, the reason I'd give that one best writer, I'd give it to The Matrix because being John Malkovich is a weird concept put to paper. 
The Matrix is something we've never oh. seen before. No, it's it's up there with like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. It has its own lore, yeah, its own world, its own mood, its own theme, its own kind of characters. It it's its own thing. At when the- you hear the, <laughs> you know what you're getting into. Yes, like I know later tonight. You I'm gonna know, watch Reloaded finally. You know the sound of the Matrix trickling down. MTV Movie Awards. Best action sequence went to Star Wars Episode One for the pod race over the Matrix for the rooftop helicopter scene. Hold the fuck on. It's not even the fight. Of, it's not even the fight of the fates. The duel of the fates. The duel of the fates. No, they had the pod race on there. Is that an action sequence or a race sequence? Well, racing is action, isn't it? Not when it's. A, I don't think. See, I wouldn't. Clear, I wouldn't say yes to that because. There's a difference between Fast and the Furious four race or rest Fast and the Furious race scenes, and what happens the, in F nine? <laughs> well, no, I was going to say the semi truck because I haven't watched any of them except really to Tokyo Drift. Yeah, because okay. there's an action scene which involves them trying to steal a truck. Yes, and then there's the race scenes, which are just race scenes. Yeah, <laughs> Pod Racer is just a race scene. Duel of the Fates is one of my favorite all time sword fights. So, and I agree with you, but I would also say that the racing, the pod racing is an action scene. There is action happening. I just think you don't like races. I think you're a racist. <laughs> no, you don't. No, I don't have prejudice to anyone. I hate everyone equally. Uh, best fight goes to the Matrix, Neo versus Morpheus when they're I sparring. I remember watching this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> best male performance went to The Matrix, Keanu Reeves. Austin Powers just lost out. Yep. Uh, best movie went to The Matrix. Yep. Uh, best on-screen duo went to Dr. Evil and Mini-Me for Austin Powers and The Spy Who Shagged Me over Neo and Morpheus. Proud of that. I am proud I, of that decision. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like that I pick. love <laughs> And best breakthrough performance oh, went to Julia God. Stiles and 10 Things I Hate About You over Carrie I Ann Moss. Add that to the list of cinema for 1999. That movie is incredible. But she, but American Pie came out that year also. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cruel Intentions came out that year. Dude. It was a great damn year. That year. <laughs> Toy Story 2, The Sixth Sense. Big Daddy. Jesus. I mean, The Spy Who Shagged Me too. Yeah, there's that. Uh Jim Carrey, Man on the Moon. Yep. If you, you know, if, if you're an Andy Kaufman and you, that, right? I mean, that's Blair a Blair Witch thing. Project. Big Daddy. The Blair Witch Project. I never saw it. If you haven't seen it, I'd say don't watch it. You missed out on it. Yeah, I was too young. Couldn't yeah. I couldn't do the theater thing and have like the real proper experience yeah. of like fear. Um, yeah. it's it, it would do nothing for you at this point. Okay. No Razzie Awards, thank God. Okay. <laughs> Although, don't worry. They're coming. <laughs> All right. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie. And then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. Let's start with the top three, and I'll start. My number three is the proficiency in the martial arts is astounding and never feels repetitive. Every move feels unique. You're not seeing the same thing twice in a row. Uh, my number two is the casting of Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. You, if you're going to have a movie with a villain, you better cast the villain well. 
And my number one, the overall concept of us living in a virtual world outside of our reality is a brilliant concept and could only be done during the advent of the internet as a social tool. And it is still relevant today. Sam, what are your top three? Number three, the tone, theme, and overall style of this movie. It, has a, it just has a genuine palette to its own. I know I'm watching a Matrix movie when it's on. Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't need 30 seconds to like, oh, what is this? I know exactly what I'm watching. Um, number two, sliding in. The action has so much style. It is not cheesy white dude kung fu. <laughs> like, it has a purpose. And it's done so well. Yeah. It, it won best fight scene, which I don't even think that was the best one. But <laughs> that's the one that got awarded. Wasn't to. the best one in the movie. No. No. Um, yeah. Uh, and he, the, the references from this movie are still used to this day. Like when Neo flips back and bends back the bullet dodge. Yeah. So many movies rip that off. The turning the fist around and doing the, get over here like the come on when he's fighting me yes and like they people still use that you know it's that's from the matrix um it's there's so many things that that were done in this movie that people still use as a parody because it sticks with you and number one is this movie ripped off a handful of flicks and reference material but the wachowski brothers took these things and made an original movie that just hooks you in yes and you want to learn more i don't want to be in that world but i just want <laughs> to observe and appreciate what those characters go through and i'm in all right well let's move to the bottom three time to vent i'm gonna start my number three the cgi once or twice is dated I know this is done in 1999 but it makes me wonder why films can't just update their effects i know it costs money but it's for timelessness. That's all I'm going to say is it costs money and the studios don't give a shit. My number two is I don't like the way the Oracle's written. And that's a preference thing. She's more of a psychologist than a someone with answers. Uh, and my number one is the interrogation scene. When the bug is planted in Neo, it is a hard watch for me. <laughs> I don't like spiders. Even worse, when they remove that damn bug. Nope, nope, no, 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 no. Not dealing with that. Nope, nope, nope. Sam, what are your bottom three? Uh, number three is... <laughs> Like you said in this, this is just like nitpicking. Yes. <laughs> it really is because number three is the outfits are so outdated. But on the flip side, they're so damn cool. Like I thought real hard, and I might do this for the next podcast, buying a trench coat, <laughs> slicking back my hair, and having some like really small Oakley sunglasses. And getting Wait. some combat boots. <laughs> if you walk, if you knocked on my door and I opened the door and I saw that, I'd shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> they're that's so bad, but it's so good. Yes, um, and it's just—I mean—that's the thing. It was just the late '90s. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, uh, I really don't have a number two. Like this is. I, <laughs> I like how you had a number three, but number two—that's that's impossible. Just go straight to number one. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like I really just have to dig for something here. How does number two? How the f does Cipher get in the restaurant and then out? 
That is a big old plot hole. You will never see that scene the same way again. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> All right, number one. Yep. And this is harking back to, um, you know, some of the cheesier things. Some of the action in the editing to me is very cheesy and I laugh because what they're doing a couple frames before doesn't sync up with what they did five seconds later. Gotcha. For instance, when Carrie Ann Moss is in the lobby scene and doing flips and running on the walls and doing her whole thing. And then the next she's turning the corner with a shotgun and then awkwardly turns around and runs off and <laughs> platform boots. It looks real bad. It looks like she's never held a shotgun and she's had zero combat training. It's just really funny. And it happens in two seconds, <laughs> but it throws me out of <laughs> those two all seconds, <laughs> the, all the ballet that is that lobby scene it's not keanu reeves doing a cartwheel when he doesn't need to do a cartwheel <laughs> it's not not that there's a lot of slow motion and then all of a sudden she's like eh, and then turns around and goes <laughs> all right so that was us scraping the bottom of the barrel for something on those uh we use critics rating we use an a to f scale on the movie planet c is considered average a is the highest f is the lowest if the movie is so bad it receives f's from all the hosts it goes to a new category movie the movie planet global killer a category movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is such as solo a star wars story so the question is you can have a good time with that oh my god that movie's hysterical if you watch it completely unseriously <sighs> yeah what do you give the Matrix in the science fiction genre by today's standards? I'll go first. Since you nominated it, you get the last word. So <clears throat> there are very few movies that you can point to as landmarking the event of social change in the science fiction genre. The Matrix in 1999, you can make the argument as the most important bridge between life before mass internet and life after mass internet. It serves as a parable of what happens when life and technology meet up with conspiracy and fantasy. Good science fiction mirrors the issues of the day using out-of-this-world concepts. Sometimes it predicts a possible future based on the slippery slope concept. The Matrix is perfect in that way and serves as one of four movies over the past 30 years that is a mile marker in human history. Number one was Jurassic Park in 93 when DNA is introduced to the populace. Number two is The Matrix, the possibility of living your life on the internet. Number three, Minority Report, a future where due process is removed. And number four, Ex Machina, artificial intelligence passes the Turing test. Casting-wise, everyone is well-casted for the job they are to perform. Lawrence Fishburne delivers exposition as well as any of the perceived greats, such as Morgan Freeman, James Earl Jones, J.K. Simmons, or Patrick Stewart. Carrie Ann Moss is required to play each line straight with a slight softening as the movie progresses. And then there's Keanu Reeves, who I truly believe might be the best casting decision for a worst actor ever in history. When you look at the list of those who were offered the role, Reeves isn't even close to that level in 99. Yet with this one movie, he went from a guy who was in movies you want to see to the guy you want to see in the movies. And let's not forget who Hugo Weaving, who masterly delivers every line with a unique cadence and menace that made him a household name, a popular costume, and arguably one of the most recognizable villains in movie history. So good was he that after doing the other two Matrix movies, he makes his name again as Elrond in Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies and avoids being typecast. Then he shows up as Red Skull in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Jesus. The martial arts in this is exaggerated. Yes. 
and doesn't exactly fit with the technology foundation the plot is built upon. You know, violence and technology rarely mix. But it is necessary to break up the expositional scenes and ultimately, when paired with the soundtrack, gives you scenes that aren't just a mix of punches and kicks, but they weave in character moments within those fights so they don't just appear to be something you can skip over. Thematically, this theme, this movie gets new life when watched today than back in 1999. Whether you look at it through a religious, philosophical, or literary lens, there is something for everyone. Technologically, there are different parallels you can get from this movie based on how we live with social networking today, rather than just the internet back then. Because of this, this movie is, at least so far, timeless. It bases its points on, there must be something better than this which is a perspective that people have been making since the beginning of time and will continue to make. Because of all this and its importance to cinema in general with the technology it forwarded and didn't overdo to become outdated 30 years later, as well as its place in popular culture today and the fact we still use terms today from the Matrix such as blue pills and red pills, needing to unplug, and even the term woke can be linked to this movie as when the characters are awaken, they see the world as it really is. I am giving this movie a solid A, a perfect score. Sam, you're up. This movie is definitely probably in my top five most watched movies ever. Ever. (laughs) I have, I've probably watched this movie over 50 times. (laughs) And that's not an exaggeration. Like when I was carpooling as a kid, this movie was on almost every morning. It was, it was big daddy return of the Jedi and the matrix. And for me to continue to have watched this movie over 50 times, it's insane that I'm still giddy in all these action scenes. I still get chills from the one liners. I'm still drawn in. I will choose to watch this movie again and again and again. (laughs) If it's on TV, it's staying on TV. It still holds relevance with the relationship technology and meat batteries. Carrie Ann Moss is a total babe and still is wherever you are, wherever you're listening. I still care about these characters. This movie is a strong A minus for me. Oh! Well, no, there's just, it's not an A plus. There is no A plus. Okay. Well, it's, it's not an A. Yes, it is. Go on. Okay, but it's an A minus. Okay, I'm muting <laughs> This okay, this is like an A minus meets an A. Is it the perfect movie? No. But it gets damn near close to being so. After 22 years and f- over 50 viewings, I still get super jazzed to watch this movie. And I've made friends who haven't watched this film watch it and they immediately pretend to start kung fu fighting. They start pretending to do parkour. It gets into your system. This movie gets your attention from the very beginning and leaves you wanting more. The originality of lore, mastering the theme, 90s tech punk sci-fi and characters. Like, this is a movie that came after Hackers. (laughs) You feel me? There's a reason Angelina Jolie wasn't in this movie. (laughs) The camera work, the innovative technology, and camera work. Like, these guys nailed this movie. 
It, this, but not enough for an A. <laughs> Well, okay, so here, here's the deal. I'm scoring this like a 1 out of 10. A 10 is a, literally a perfect movie. Yes. Is this a perfect movie? It's a perfect science fiction movie. If we're going to just stay in science fiction, then Well, that's yes. what we do. We stay okay. in the genre. Oh, that's see, why I we do, have the pantheons. Okay, I'm doing a universal no, score. No, like we wouldn't, we wouldn't put Caddyshack up there with The Godfather, but... I do. <laughs> <laughs> Caddyshack is a near-perfect comedy. Godfather is a near-perfect mafia movie. Okay, so if we're talking strictly science fiction. Yeah, strictly science fiction. Then yes, this is a perfect score. <laughs> this is an absolutely perfect score. Oh boy. This is exciting. Okay, so revisiting the list of movies in the Pantheon. The Matrix takes the top spot over <laughs> Jurassic Park. So we get to say goodbye. To RoboCop. <laughs> RoboCop. Uh, Sorry, we'll do, I'd we'll, buy that for a dollar. <laughs> we'll do Judge Dredd next, right? But, oh, <laughs> no. Uh, so now the list is The Matrix at number one, Jurassic Park at number two, Back to the Future at number three, Jurassic World at number four, Back to the Future Part three at number five, or six, I mean, I lost track. It's number five. Back to the Future Part 2 at number six. And the Lost World Jurassic Park at number seven. But I got a feeling that when we do Reloaded, we'll be saying goodbye to the Lost World soon, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let's get our critics hats off. Do you love this movie? Like this movie or none of the above? I'm going to start. I love this movie. I've been wanting to do this movie for a long time for the podcast. And I'm so thankful I got to do it with a diehard fan. Mm-hmm. Sam, what would you think? Love it, like it, or none of the above? I mean, I fucking love this movie, dude. <laughs> yeah. This is this movie is still the shit. Yes, it is. If you haven't watched this movie, I really don't know what the fuck you're doing with your life. Yeah, get on that shit. Holy shit, you are buckle up, Buttercup. You're gonna you're going on a ride. <laughs> this is like the first time you ever go on Space Mountain, dude. Never been on Space Mountain. I hate roller coasters. I really like Space Mountain. I've never, I've, I don't like roller coasters and I won't go on Space Mountain. <laughs> I like it because you can't see like what's next and it's like all the horror is just like, it's just, it's just, you know, five minutes of pure, absolute existential horror. You don't have to sell me on it anymore. I, I promise I'm not going to go on it. Yeah, you, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all the time we got for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll look at The Matrix Reloaded for the science fiction film Pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. Give us a four or five-star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed in The Matrix, I mean on the Movie Planet Podcast, are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet Podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended sam any last words take the red pill and tell cypher to shove that blue pill right (laughs) up his ass and i'm gonna say take the blue pill and just avoid all that bullshit thanks for listening (laughs) (laughs) and happy movie watching see ya we out